a year ago, Tom. We had a we had a special moment. Was it a year ago? Around a year ago, we we uh, dusted off back into the um, the pivotal film archives, mm. where we found into ourselves. The stacks. Yeah, the stacks. We don't have those rolling wheels though; it's broken. The pivotal film janitor crew has a. Uh, Let's down sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Provide them Medicare and medical. And we do? Yeah, we do. When did that happen? Well, we just give them quaaludes. <laughs> That's all, all you need. All of our staff That's just all you need. tons of quaaludes. But we found, <laughs> deep within those stacks, a little machine. It had this, this odd button arrangements. Mm. And me and you, you know, we, we like to tinker with things. We are. We are tinkerers. And we were tinkering with it, pressing the buttons, and all of a sudden we got transported way back in time. 27 years back in time. Well, it was 26 years at that point. Yeah. We found ourselves in front of a in front of a Cineplex outside of A&W. We got ourselves some burgers and some chili fries and we watched ourselves some good old classic 1993 action movies before yeah. we sucked back into the present day. And we had a nice conversation about that. Mm. Well, this past week, you know, we were we we're like, you know what? The present day is kind of shitty right now. Yeah, it was a tough week. Tough week. Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a tough, we're, tough today when we're recording this. It's New Hampshire primary. It's looking promising for people of my opinion. However, it'd be nice if it looks more soldier, promising. A but... soldier person is is closing in who has a lot of political experience. I'll still vote for him if he's a nominee, but I'm not a, too big of a fan of him. But I was like, you know what, Tom? <laughs> Good one. It's time we get that machine back and go back in time. Yeah. And we closed our eyes and we twisted the buttons, twisted and the Huey knobs. Huey Lewis and... played in the, in, the, in the music. Yeah. You know, John Cusack and, uh, was there. Yep. That got honored at the Oscars. Last Hot month. Tub Time Machine? No, the in the music segment, there's Back to the Future. Oh, I was talking about oh, oh Hot Tub Time Machine. And we pressed a button, and we found ourselves still in the first term of Bill Clinton. But you know what? Bob Dole was talking a lot because we were in 1996. Should I put a clip of Bob Dole talking here? Oh God! He's Remember Bob alive. Dole? I know Actually, he's still he's still kicking. You think you put down that pencil ever? I mean, oh man! I made a I made a motion that was leading into a comment that I then quickly uh, refrained good for myself you, good from. For you. We talked about 1993 before, and today we're talking about 1996. Action, action-packed year. Yeah, action-packed, Mario. a great year. Really, fuck. It was. We were a talking good year. about this. Like I was looking at the films in '96, and in terms of comedy, in terms of film in general, good, good year. I mean. The eventual Best Picture winners, okay. Which was? It was an English patient that year. Ugh. Anthony Mingelli, you know. But you know, you get like some of the some of the some of the great films of that year. You get you get Scream. Mm. You know, you get you get Two Days in the Valley. I love myself some Two Days in the Valley. Is that a great movie? I mean, it's a good yeah, Eric just, Stoltz just movies, performance. Movies that ten-year-old Mario just fucking. Ten-year-old Mario, like get, two years in the valley, two days in the valley, like eleven. Big night, that great Stanley Tucci, John Turturro, uh, John Turturro directed that, right? Um, no, no, John Turturro doesn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> Stanley Tucci, a Tony Shalhoub movie. You get Black Sheep. Oh, Black Sheep was great. That good old 
Followed up with Birdcage. I never liked Birdcage. The craft was good. Uh, you get, I was just talking about Feruza Balk this weekend. You get the dentist. Oh, Corp. Good, Cole, good Corp. Classic Corbin Burns. Dunstan checks in. What? Down Periscope. Oh, those that Celtic grammar. Those NBC sitcom stars really just needed to make, they wanted to parlay that and do film role. You unfortunately have a Vita that year, you know. But to counteract the taste of a Vita, you get the fan, that Tony Scott Wesley Snipes Robert Jr. movie, not an action movie we're talking about because it's not that good. No, it's actually really, really bad. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. I don't know why I mentioned it. Just just to mention that it's bad. I like the fan, but but the I mean it's fri- a bad movie. The Frighteners. The Frighteners is good. Is amazing from dusk till dawn. Yep. I mean, it, this is a this is a year. This is a, this is a this is a feeling. Well, yeah, are all movie years like Hamlet? this? <laughs> yeah. Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. You like that? Right? I love Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Yeah, because it's the whole thing, and it doesn't skimp. It's it's. It, Kenneth Branagh goes Joe's broke. apartment. Yeah, Joe's apartment. That's a bad movie too. I was looking for. Remember to when Joe's they used apartment. to make um, movies out of MTV, um, <coughs> like short ideas? They used to do that. Penis yeah. and butthead. Joe's apartment. Um, and I was, you know, like looking like this year was so good that there's so many action movies. I love that we're not going to talk about. Yeah, we do. I mean, we're Long not, Kiss Goodnight. We're, we're not, not going to talk about Long Kiss Goodnight. We are not having a Ransom conversation. Was Ransom that year? Yeah. Remember Ransom? I'm yeah. glad we're not because I can't watch it again because of children now. Oh. But I... It's, that movie. You know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of the next Mel Gibson movie. Payback? I was thinking of Payback. I was like, Payback was, payback was much later. Um, yeah, it was, that's the John Woo one, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it John Woo? I don't think it's John Woo. I thought it was John Woo. Doesn't matter. I mean, um, set it off. That's that's not that's not a bad action. Well, movie. you know what I thought? I got really excited because I thought Dead Presidents was '96, and I love Dead Presidents, but it's '95. But don't worry, The Stupids is 1996. <laughs> the Stupids. Um, are all movie years like this where like the same people are in like a bunch of different movies? So there's two Jean Claude Van Damme movies in 1996. Oh, well, I mean, I think Max, that's... there's Maximum Risk and The Quest. Which are both both those movies were fucking awful. But like the quest is, I have a proclivity for John Claude Van Damme. You know, I, I love myself. Time Cop? I love myself some Time Cop. I love myself some. Um, oh, it's not Hard Kill. Hard Kill or Hard Target. Hard Target. Hard Target. Um, I even like uh, his his movie with Dennis Rodman. Oh yeah, double, what's that called? Um, uh, no, double, um, not Double Trouble, but the. Oh uh, uh, yeah yeah yeah. Fuck. Oh man. Dennis, look up Dennis Rodman filmography. <laughs> Double team. Double team, uh, yes. I even enjoy that, you know, but like, that this was a bad year for John Claude Van Damme. The Quest is one of the, whoa, it's just a bad movie. But just think about it, like, so you have the first Mission Impossible movie, you have that, you have Maximum We're Risk Van Damme. We're not going to talk about We're not going to talk about that. You have Chain Reaction with Keanu Reeves and Morgan Freeman. Chain Reaction. Remember, Bob? I, I really want to say something about Chain Reaction. Yeah, go ahead. I was so fucking stoked for Chain Reaction because that opening, like, the trailers played that opening, like, explosion forever. Yep. And so I was really stoked for this good disaster movie. And then I saw Chain Reaction, and that happens, and then nothing happens for an hour. Uh-huh. They get to, like, that Morgan Freeman versus Keanu Reeves finale, which is fine. But that is, like, one of the first times I was subjected as a nine-year-old child to 
the horrors that are a deceitful film trailer. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. It almost made my pivotal list for that. <laughs> the trailer was pivotal. Trailer. It was deceitful. Um, arrival. The arrival with Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Oh, that's the Phantom with Billy Zane. Um, the great. I really want. I really want to say something about the Phantom really quick. So, do you remember that came out? I do. They you tried know, to make that a big movie. Do you know why I know that came out? Why? Because up in Elko, Nevada, our cable company used to have this channel where you, this little thing where it'd give out local news. Mm-hmm. But every every week they'd have this. Every once every month they'd have a contest where you could call in and answer five questions about a big movie for that year, and you'd get a gift bag <gasps> full of stuff from the movie. And I answered all five questions correct about the Phantom. So I got my own little phantom ring, which was too small for my finger. Yep. I was nine years old, and I couldn't fit it. And I was a regular-sized nine-year-old, so I don't know what the fuck was going on in that ring. I wasn't like a fat five-year-old, nine-year-old. I was just, you know, maybe I had like five extra pounds, but I got like a movie poster, got a mask. How was the phantom not on your list? Because it sucks. <laughs> Outside mean, yeah. of um, Treat Williams. Is that Treat Williams? No, it's Billy Zane. No, but the villain is, is Treat Williams. Oh, right? I don't know. The villains. I thought it was Alec Baldwin. Wasn't Alec Baldwin involved in that? Uh, no, it's Treat Williams. It is Treat Williams? Okay. Yeah, Alec Baldwin's The Shadow. The Shadow, right. The stupid oh, bastard. right. Got Christy Swanson. Everyone, that was, that was the movie where everyone was like, yeah, who cares about Christy Swanson? Who's the uh, villain lady? Yeah. Remember Who's... Christy Swanson? No, no, not really. But Catherine Zeta-Jones was like the... Right, that's right. Um, what's you... Uh, so, my... Before we kick this off and really kind of get into like the six movies that we're going to talk about, what was your guilty pleasure movie? Was it Two Days in the Valley? What do you of mean? like ninety of the ninety six action movies, like the movie that you kind of went back to over and over and over again. That's really not very good. Mine is the Sylvester Stallone vehicle Daylight. Do you remember Daylight? I do. I loved that fucking. Movie. I liked it. Do we call Twister the, the Twister's on our list? A guilty pleasure though. No. Are it's, you allowed to? Say- you know what's really funny? Can no. we, you know why we're not talking about it? Does it have to be an it? action movie? No, because I also have sleepers know my, on my list. Do you want to know my guilty pleasure of that year? What? Celtic Pride. Yeah, Celtic Pride is great. Love Celtic Pride. It's funny as shit. Some classic Daniel Stern there. Yeah. And Daniel Stern and... Um, Dan Aykroyd? Uh, no, Dan Aykroyd's good at it, but... Um, David Wayans? Yeah, Damon Wayans. They play off each, like Daniel Stern and him play off each other so That's well. That's another that big year. Damon Wayans is in two movies, and that is in Bulletproof. Oh right, but that movie's stuck. That movie's terrible. That movie's ter- that was the movie where it was like, guys, are we sure about the Sam Sandler thing? I know. Adam Sandler Adam Sandler branch was in, out. Wasn't Adam Sandler in two movies that year? Because Gilmore's this year, right? Or Billy Madison was this year. Wasn't Gilmore ninety five? No, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, Happy Gilmore Happy was ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, before the internet, you had to star in multiple movies, or else you'd be forgotten. I guess so. I guess so. Now you just dig <clears throat> Florence Pugh. <laughs> To stay relevant. That's 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 all you can do. Fuck you, Zach. Yeah, Raff. take that, Zach. Raff. Um, Mario. Speaking of people that are in lots of movies, I think we should get this thing started. We should get this thing started right, like how we've got the 1993 yeah. action I mean, movie. We went back started. in time. We looked at that Cineplex, and we were like looking there and going, "We went. If we could <laughs> only see one movie, movie. What, what would it be?" And we and just went. 93. We went. You know what? We like. We like far away shots. We, we like, like it. We like it when hit stars of Titanic play, you know, 
new military guys. We like it when movies look like they could have been made <laughs> any year from 1981 to whenever they were made. We like it when helicopters are taking off from two different locations but the same location. <laughs> so we got a sniper. And this time when we went back in time, we're like, you know what? I was like, you know what, Tom? I watched some Inception earlier. I saw that chubby, gorgeous old son of a bitch, Tom Berenger, and I need to watch him again. So we're doing so we watched The Substitute. When we're done, I want you to say I'm sorry. No talking in the library. You know what's really weird about the trailer for that movie? It's a lot of it soundtrack. to Mark Anthony. Here's something else. Why, why, I, does, why does Mark Anthony look older in this movie than Mark Anthony did 10 years later? I don't know. Like when I saw Mark it's Anthony. It's not that, 10 years later, though. Mark Anthony was famous like four years later. Oh, I this know, movie like, looks like it was made in 1982. <laughs> but it was not. It was made in 1996. But no. Like, so when does Mark Anthony marry J-Lo? Like 2004, 2005, I, Was right? it that far away? I have a hard time of, of differentiating. Well, he, married, he marries her in 2004. So, like, when I see Mark Anthony about, like, eight years later, I'm like, oh, he looks like he's in, I don't know. He looks like he's in his 30s, and he was in his 30s then. He is 28, 27, 28 when he does this movie. He looks like he's 50 fucking years old. I looked at that, and I was like, he oh, definitely doesn't look I was like, like in high was school. Mark Anthony's dad an actor? No, I don't, maybe he was. I thought it was like a Freddie Prince thing or like a like a Julio Iglesias sort of thing where I was like, oh, the dad's there. Yeah. Nope. Nope. That's Mark Anthony. Yeah. High school student. They Mark apparently, Did in, you order do to make the movie, in order to make this movie look older, to make this movie look like it came from 1980s, to make it look like it's older in Stand and Deliver, they, they, they added years... To Mark Anthony, they did. They didn't do de aging. They did like pro aging. Pro aging. Um, Tom Berenger stars as Jonathan Shale, who leads a team of mercenaries who, when we meet them, have just completed a mission in Cuba in which they've lost a few of their comrades. Um, it's all botched. He he goes back. Do we think he's the same? Do we think it's just it's just he's the sniper again? I think so. Probably. Pretty safe to say, yeah. He's a soldier. Yep. He's a soldier, not a killer. Yep. Because you're still alive. <laughs> that, that scene is great. <laughs> well, I've been waiting for 10 <laughs> minutes for to leave. I thought um, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I know, on? it was great. Oh, Cliff T. Young. Cliff T. Young is the best. Um, he goes back to uh, Miami. To, to hang out with his girlfriend, Jane Hetzko, played Los by... Los Angeles-looking Miami yeah, ever. Played by Diane Venora. Um, uh, Diane Venora teaches at a really tough school. A lot of crime, a lot of... You know, she's threatened by Mark Anthony and his gangs. The D... The, what is it? The D-O-A? The K-O-A? The K-O-D. K-O-D. The of Destruction. Yeah. Um, they... Uh, she apparently the did not like Libra yeah. as an album. She was like, I'm, I was a bigger fan of When the Night is Over. <laughs> they cap her knees one day on the beach when she's running. Um, 
And Tom Berenger just happens to be there after having a meeting with a guy who wants to give him and his crew a job protecting some some drugs that are getting smuggled into the country. That guy farts a lot. <laughs> that guy fart a lot because he eats a lot of fiber. Um, Ten grams. Why does that scene there? <laughs> Again, this movie was made in 1996. It really feels like it was made in the 80s. Everything looks like the 80s. Um, so he decides, you know what the best way to to deal with the situation is to pose as a substitute who has degrees from Yale and Harvard and Princeton. Um, and I, and Corn two doctorates, I think from Princeton or two master's degrees from Harvard. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, it he's a substitute. T- <laughs> he's a substitute teacher. And when he's there, he's going to take no shit. And you know what he's going to teach? He's going to teach history to one class. And he's just going to tell him about his time in Vietnam. There's a problem though, Mario. He gets to that school, and it seems like the principal, played by a Oscar-worthy Ernie Hudson, um, is... 911, I'd like to report an accident. <laughs> Never mind, I was mistaken. <laughs> didn't When that scene happened, didn't you, weren't you waiting for the boop sound effect when he threw him out the window? But I think on the last guy gets thrown out the window and like he lands on the other three guys... I think there is like a, a Wiley e. Coyote sort of crashing sound yeah. effect of like, yeah. um, even though they just get thrown into dirt, doesn't matter. Also, I just like how they're not even injured. They fell. They just a good run away. Yeah. Feet. Um, One guy went through fucking glass. One guy fell thirty feet because he fell off a ladder. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> I mean, fine. not later, but um, he's gonna. So he's gonna. He's gonna figure this out. And he's got his crew with him. And his, his crew contains some really amazing people. A really tragic William Forsyth, who we will talk about later in this podcast. Again, this movie was made in 1996. He made two movies in the same year. And they don't even seem like they are made by the same guy. But you know who is in this movie, Mario? Who is in, I think, four of these movies? is the irrepressible Raymond Cruz. I think Raymond Cruz gets replaced in the sequels. No, no, he's in four of the movies we're talking about today. Oh, okay, okay. I'm pretty sure. It's either three or four. I think it's four. Keep talking. I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you know. Okay. Um, I thought I wrote it down, but I don't have it down here. But He's in three. It's at least he's three. In three. Okay. Yes. Um, we don't talk about a close and personal. Ah, that's good. Um... But yeah, so he's got to go out. He goes undercover. He's uncredited in the one that takes place on an island. Which is, it's weird that he was in two other movies where he's credited and all he can be in the other movie is just a guy that runs. That you see in the background. You're like, I know that guy. (laughs) I just watched two movies with him where he has lines. Um, Yeah, this is the substitute. And and he's got to help the kids and... He just he and he learns that he loves the kids. He loves to teach kids about Vietnam. Going back into this, what was your takeaway? I remember when I saw this as a kid, I was thoroughly bored. Yeah, and I'm still thoroughly bored. I find it funny now because I watch these other five films and I like, oh, this feels contemporary to the '90s. And I watched this and I was like, this movie was made in the same year. I know as these other five films. It's crazy. It's crazy. It doesn't even. It doesn't. 
look or sound or like feel like a 90s movie. film stock. Yeah. Feels like they, they found something in the dirt. <laughs> like, nothing. It doesn't look like Miami, for one thing. It clearly, I mean, I don't know where this is shot, but. Well, just one. I mean, all they needed is one building. Yeah, it's not like they're like, even doing anything from like a set perspective. It's just a but it's just the one building. Nothing about this looks like it didn't need to be Miami. It could have just fucking been L.A. Right. Um, you know, and and the way in which it presents people, like, oh, look at this downtrodden gang sort of thing, um, makes you like wonder what the fuck is going on. And I I watched this, and it made me think of a movie I actually, um really like that's in the same sort of vein as this uh-huh. the principal no uh, james belushi it's it, and it came out one year later and it's 187 oh yeah 187 is a good movie and that movie that movie feels like yeah it feels current feels like current yeah that's still a good that's kevin reynolds directed that and kevin reynolds is our good old buddy who the kevin reynolds the uh pseudonym for kevin costner because he was the one that directed Waterworld. And uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh. But yeah, like, like I compared 187, which has like, it feels very current, feels very over the time. You know, the, 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 the villains in that kind of feel as though they're 1990s villains. They don't feel like they're kind of like Vados off of the thing of a Michael Mann TV show. And I was like going, what the fuck is going on in this movie? This movie's crazy. What the fuck is going on with Tom Berenger in the 90s? Sniper! Also felt seen. like it came out like Sniper felt like a, ma- a direct-to-video or Betamax film in response to Predator that thought that the reason that people liked Predator was because of the opening twenty minutes and not the alien that follows. <laughs> yeah, this fucking I don't even know what this is doing. Well, it seems like it doesn't. It seem like it this wants... opened up at number two in the box. That's office. crazy. Wow, who saw? Anything for this movie saw any part of it. Tom Berenger is just doing Tom Berenger shit, which is just like reading lines and going off the fact that like thirty to forty year old women and my mom actually my mom was in love with him and she was like she was thirty one when this came out are like in love with this old man. Like he's just fucking reading lines. Well, didn't it, didn't it seem like? But there's nothing here that's like I don't right, know. So here's what I I'm don't saying. know what in this trailer or what compelled anyone to want to see this. There is, like no. Roger Ebert himself said, like in his review, he says, oh, "What? The, he actually has a good response for this. I am so very tired of this movie. I see it at least once a month. The title changes, the actors change, and the superficial details of the story change. But it's always about exactly the same thing: heavily armed man shooting at one each other. Even the order of deaths are preordained. And it's like that's true." This feels like every shitty fucking like movie I've seen, action movie I saw on Cinemax back in like 1998. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was from like 10 years earlier, just like done over and over again. And well, it's like it just does nothing. Well, so you have you have the principal in 1987, you have Lean on Me in uh, Lean on Me. That's what I was thinking. Not, 19... stand, not stand and deliver. That's again 1989. No, stand and deliver. Right. What's the what's the um... stand deliver? I'm thinking. What am I thinking of? What the one with the guy? I'm thinking of Stand and Deliver, the Edward James almost one. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's so that's 1988. 
So 87, that's, that's 88, Stand Deliver is a legitimately good movie. But that's what I'm got, saying is that those movies are in the 80s. and they, Oh, yeah. Edward J. Mullins got nominated for that. Those movies seem and look and sound and feel more contemporary, current, contemporary than this movie that was made in 1996. This movie exists in a fucking shadow world. It's, it really does. It's crazy. This movie is bananas. Yeah, it's it's. I so couldn't believe it. Utterly disjointed. Like, why are we even establishing the drug deal guy? We should really, Mario. We should going on on on. Can- this movie felt like honestly, it felt like somebody took a brick to my skull. I don't know what you want the next. Movie. Made me look at look at the screen. I don't know what you want the next movie to be here that we talk about, but we could literally pick any of them, and they'd be a perfect juxtaposition. Let's see. Let's see. Let's so see. I just have this next. No, we're gonna save that. Okay. That's, that's a good juxtaposition. They're all good. They're all. One of these two. Okay, so let's just. You mentioned it. You mentioned. <laughs> let's, let's do another Raymond Cruz movie. Yeah, I think because because we're kind of, we want to talk contemporary. This is at least a movie that feels. No, I don't mean that one. Oh, that's the top pick now. When you pick that, those words, those the Dwayne Johnson. Uh, that's unfortunate. We're talking about contemporary, and I think this next movie actually does feel heavily 1996. Yeah, I mean, even though it does, it feels a little dated also because of everything that came after it. But I think it's just it is almost. Yeah, I mean, it just it I does mean, everything that the other movies trying be to fair, do. Times a million. The substitute comes out a month and a half before this movie, so maybe in that month and a half they figured film out better. They figured out action movies. It's possible. It's very, very possible. The movie that we're talking about, folks, is the 1996, obviously Michael Bay movie, the Oscar Rock. nominated. Who got nominated for an Oscar? Just sound next. Oh, The Rock. The following is a state secret, gentlemen. Disclose it to any party, and you will be subject to prosecution. <laughs> His name is John Mason, British national incarcerated on Alcatraz in 1962, escaped in 63. There's no identity in the United States or Great Britain. He does not exist. Secrets have a way of coming back to haunt you. There's a hostage situation on Alcatraz. Hostage, 81 tourist. The Rock's a tourist attraction. The Rock is a tourist attraction. Sure is. Look at those biceps, those triceps. His daughter is now in the WWE Performance Center. Really? Yeah. Just reported uh, this week. Uh, A group of disgruntled Marines have stolen VX nerve gas. A lot of VX nerve gas. Just too much. Just too much. No, I don't think it's not necessary to have all that VX nerve gas. I mean, one of them has to break just so you can see how bad this nerve gas is because it just melts people. Just melts them. Um, and they have seized control of Alcatraz Island and are threatening to unleash the VX nerve grass. Uh, nerve grass? Oh, guys had a fucking Trump moment there. That would be bad. Um, on to San Francisco if they are not given, uh, was it, $100 million from a military slush fund that had been promised to them. Uh, the government scrambles together to uh, get... Good speed, a um, FBI weapons specialist played by Nicolas Cage. Who also loves the Beatles. Yeah, he loves the Beatles. To go in with a team of elite Navy SEALs and one uh, prisoner who has noted to have escaped Alcatraz. A uh, James Bond 
basically. John Mason played yeah. by Sean Connery. They sneak on Alcatraz. Some mishappens happens to those uh, seals. Poor Michael Bean. Yeah. R.I.P. Michael Bean. I mean, the character. Michael Bean's still kicking. Yeah, he's right here. We're not no, gonna. You can't talk. Bro, we're not letting him talk. You shut your mouth, Michael Bean. Eat your quaaludes and be quiet, Michael Bean. You wait for Neil Blomkamp <laughs> to make that Alien sequel. Um, you know, and, and then we get we get uh, we get we get we get contained, Michael Bay. I mean, it's that it's that nice inner period for Michael Bay, and that's the thing coming where back he to was actually kind of making loved, good movies yeah, that I love. This is this is the Michael Bay that I love. Me too. Um, Armageddon is where he fucking goes crazy. He starts to go crazy, but like this is it has those dumb fucking moments. That entire car chase for San Francisco where they're chasing Mason, like, yep. you know, with the trolley and whatnot. Like, that's ridiculous. But, like, everything beyond that, even those slow moments when, you know, Michael Bean and the SEALs team, the SEALs, they're a SEALs team, right? Yeah. SEALs team are going to get, like, getting shot. And you get, like, that dramatic fucking ridiculous Hans Zimmer score playing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans Zimmer and friends. I'm sure Hans Zimmer just, like, sat smoking the joint and told them, yeah, just give me the score and I'll put my name on it. Um, I'll, I'll put a boom in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's overly dramatic. You get the camera panning, you get the slow motion, like, oh, God, this is emotionally destructive, and what's going on? And I love when that like guy it, is like, I gotta go up, and they're just like, no, don't leave, don't leave, and then just goes up, and he's like, yeah. and then Harris is like, ceasefire, ceasefire. It's yeah. great, great. It's great, and it's done again when Ed Harris, you know, says like, you know, it's gone too far, and Tony Todd's like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I fucking are we watching this? Fucking, fucking love this movie. What? This movie is a shot of testosterone straight into my dick. Here's, here's, and you know what? I already have too much testosterone. Yeah, I texted you. I was watching this movie in the middle of the day. I was eating my lunch. I was made a nice. Was your lunch just fucking meat? <laughs> just it was a nice piles of meat. Ham sandwich, just toasted ham. with some cheddar cheese. Nice. It was nice. Dijon, little Dijon mustard. You know, pickle. You fucking are a disgrace to this movie. I was watching this movie. And it like, should have been raw I forget, fucking pork. I forget when I texted you this. But I was like, the best thing about The Rock is that it is objectively terrible while being objectively awesome. Is it objectively terrible? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous? But in a but in, the, in like so the best well possible crafted. way. Yeah, it's ridiculous in the best possible way. I mean, it... Looks good. You like feel it, it's, it's so much fun. Like it's, like it's 1996, and the amount of work put into like the color saturation. Like this is before he loses the plot and goes like super orange. Like Michael Bay would go super orange and blue. Like he'd start that in Armageddon. He'd really heavily get there by tra- by the time Transformers. Well, just think about but think about Six Underground. Not even in terms of color saturation, but literally anybody, anytime anybody did anything in Six Underground, it's you washed get a, out. You get it's washed out, and you get a low circular shot of them like just getting out of a swivel chair or just like getting out of a car or just yeah. walking up stairs or just and in like, this, I'm gonna be honest like that above shot like when they fucking like misfire the, like near the end where they misfire the missile and you see the yeah. explosion from above that's one of the coolest looking shots in like all of action films um, I don't, I don't know how to gauge that. Or <coughs> maybe a better gauge that than me. I just mean that it's, but it's, it's pretty. It's, 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 it's it looks good. It's, it's vibrant and violent and like it. it I mean, it, it and expresses it makes, that kind of problem with yeah. like the passivity that um, Michael Bay has with the violence. 
like it just looks good. And everything about this just looks good. Well, I good. think my problem, I think when I say that it's objectively terrible, it's that it's a stupid idea. Everyone's Everything's overacted to like the nth degree. There's like four main characters. Um, Nicolas Cage is... Do you remember how crazy he is in this movie? Like we think of Nicolas Cage now as crazy. He has always been bananas. Oh, like, no, for sure. And not even just like... Nicolas Cage bananas, like just bad bananas. Like, I mean, the that's when he's trying to like begging. I mean, for I'm his, really, when I'm he's really, on his knees and begging for his life, and he's like, paper and plastic. And the guy's just like, what? Is, uh, uh, paper and plastic. Because there can either. Uh, uh, and it's like, let's go get some fucking rockets. And it's like, oh my God, shut up. Like, why is this happening on screen? Who let this happen? It's so bad. But excellent. But it's yeah, so of much, course, but it's of course fun. I but it's that fun. Nicolas Cage. Because uh, one of my favorite action movies, the one that would is in contention also for my pivotal film list, unfortunately came out in 97 and stars Nicolas Cage. But that is different. It's yeah. different. It feels different and it has a context. That movie's fucking rocks. That guy, Con Air, by the way. But, but that guy is, is, not, is it really Con Air? No, next year Con Air. I thought you were talking about, the, I thought you were talking about Face Off. No, Con Air. Oh, well, I thought you were talking about Face Off. Face Off song. I retract what I said. You think Con Air is a better movie than Face Off? Con Air. We talked about this. Con Air. We talked about this. We argued about this so many times when I've been really, we've both been really hammered at the bar. I've been like, Con Air is fucking amazing. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I go off on a tirade, and I think you would stop put, listening. Put down the bunny. Sigh. Anara. <laughs> uh, when we were watching, when I was watching one of the other movies that we were going to talk about. Got Danny Trejo. Oh, I know Dave who's Chappelle. in. I know who's in it. I know who's in it. Those great. I one of my favorite scenes is the great Steve Buscemi in that little girl scene, when he just looks at her like he's so puzzled. Like he's supposed to be this like super threatening guy, and it's like no, he's just. I don't think he knows what he's supposed to be doing. And I imagine Michael Bay just off screen, just like screaming things at Steve Buscemi. It was not Steve Michael. Buscemi that's being, not a Michael Bay movie. But it's shot. It's ex- a Simon West movie. It's shot exactly like a Michael Bay movie. Fuck you. It's Simon Wick. <laughs> it's not. Remember that scene when Nicolas Cage materializes out think, of nowhere and rises up and it's I don't just shot has, underground? I don't think it's a goddamn thing. It's, it's a Bruckheimer film for sure, but he isn't, Michael Bay doesn't have a shit to do with that. It's a Bruckheimer film through and through. Except for the fact that Michael Bay obviously and Simon West did a blood transfusion and <laughs> Michael oh, Bay gave yeah, Simon West all of his Bruckheimer. blood. Jay Bruckheimer had probably done a shit ton of cocaine. Allegedly. Uh, and just was like, hey, listen, The Rock was great. Do that again. And Simon West is like, what? Fucking do that again. Did you see The Rock? Well, yeah, everyone saw The Rock. Just do it. Just do it again. But I'm plain. But I'm plain. (laughs) And and make Nicolas Cage Southern. Do it. And you got the guy from Forrest Gump in it. Go. Bubba. We love Faith Hill, right? Is that Faith Hill? No. Oh, that did the song? Or was that Shania... Forever. I think it's Shania Twain. I wanna know. How do I live? That was uh, Leanne Rhymes. Oh, so we were all, we Leanne were wrong. Rhymes, yeah. We were wrong. Um, uh, yeah, also, once is... again, Academy Award nominated. God. Con Air. Unbelievable. For what? Sound editing? How do I live? Oh, it lost. It lost the Titanic. Oh, and Best Sound. It got two nominations. Con Air has more Oscar nominations than The Rock. But no. The Rock is <clears throat> just getting back to to the topic. The Rock is just fucking. It's a great. good fucking time. I mean, 
it's it's the ten to twelve year old boy action dream. Oh yeah, like, I'm pretty sure this is my brother's favorite movie for a <laughs> long time. So I came to this having been a gigantic fucking Candyman fan. I mean, we talked about that in my most anticipated yeah, yeah, yeah. list is that Candyman. And so when I saw Tony Todd, I was like, oh my god, Candyman's in this. And then when he turns out to, in the end to be the main villain in this film, after you have that, which is once again to a child. The twist were Ed Harris and David Morris, who I also loved. I just I've always loved David Morris. Yep, he just looks like a dad. He just looks like everyone. David Morris is everyone's dad. When he's pointing a gun at your head, yeah, I love you, Dad. But then he turns and he, just, he sides with you know. He does. He turns. He turns good. But you know, like that twist. That twist to a kid is great. Well, it just seems... and, it, and then Tony Todd's the main villain. So and he dies so cool. Yeah, he gets the fucking like. Next to you know, next to you the uh, your fire to kill scene of like, you, I think you like Elton John. I, think I don't listen the wrong to foot. The, I don't listen to that soft shit. But 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 it's about you. you you're the Rocket Man. You know how this shit? No, it's even better. You know how this shit works? You know how this shit works? And he's just got like a small knife and he's just like this. It's like, you're across the room and he's got a fucking chemical in his hand that you should know can just melt your face off and you're going to what, stab him? Well, he thinks Nicolas Cage will, won't stab him. That whole, that whole sequence, the end sequence of that movie is fucking phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Even when Sean Connery kills that guy by like just pushing him over the edge when he's... That guy is lining up <coughs> Nicolas Cage in his sights. And he's like, I got you now, baby. I got you, baby. He says, he says, I got you, baby, like three times. He's like, why do you keep calling him baby? Or like, if you're going to edit this movie, edit at least one of the babies out of there. You don't need three babies in a row. That movie also, like the, the cast of villains in this is great. Yeah, it's fantastic. You got like Bokeem Woodbine. Oh, great Bokeem Woodbine. You got fucking John C. McGinley. One of the there. classic Bokeem Woodbine faces. Yeah. When he asked him to restrain the, the the general or whatever, and he's just like, ah, he's got this pain. Look, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'll take that sidearm. You give me this sidearm. It's great. How do I not? I don't remember Xander Berkeley being in this. Where is he? What's his name? He's Loner. I don't know. Maybe he's just one of the guys. Yeah, I think yeah. what's great about this movie is that you get like Philip Baker Hall, who has like three lines. He's just there to nod a couple of times and then say something to John As Spencer. Chief Justice, yeah. yeah. Um, it's great. John Spencer's great. Again, William Forsyth seems like he's on a uh, a normal planet in this movie as compared to where he was when he made... Yeah. <laughs> when he made the I like. I love when William Forsyth plays... Like, this is during the era... Like, I saw this movie after having seen... Um, my, like, I grew up with William Forsyth being out for justice mm-hmm. like i grew up with him being i'm looking for richie have you seen richie you know and so for me william Forsythe's always been the quintessential and like uh what flat top is he flat top or no no oh in um he's flat top in, in uh Dick Dick Tracy, Tracy, right yeah. is it flat top yeah flat top where's How our could, producer why can't our producer michael bean look this shit up michael what? bean look this up when we're talking about it to be, be fair ready. To be fair, we're better than Joe Rogan being like, what's that thing called? And then like a minute later, the producer says it. And he's like, oh, yeah, there it is. I knew that. Yeah, that's what Joe Rogan does. Um, but it, like, I grew up with William Forsythe being like this villain constantly. Uh-huh. But I'd always liked William Forsythe because he's so charismatic. And that's the thing. Like This entire movie is just like a charisma fucking machine. Uh-huh. Like This is WWF on screen. This is a wrestling. With like, Sean this Connery. This is WrestleMania like, of, of the movies. It, but seeing William Forsythe as like a good guy. It seemed like vaporized, huh? 
and like the eye, and I was like, yeah, William Forsythe's a good guy. I don't, this like makes me feel like a kid again. Oh yeah, I felt the same way. Like I, this is a super violent fucking movie. If <laughs> I ever have a son, fingers crossed that never happens because I don't want children, ladies. Um, no, no, seriously, that's the one time I'll say ladies. That that really means like if you don't want kids, I'm your guy. Um, <laughs> low sperm count, everything. It's great. Oh, um, that was not necessary. It's perfectly fine. I'm selling myself. It's a raw podcast. <laughs> uh, this happens all the time in the action movie podcast. Like I said, second beer. Um, like seeing him as a good guy was just like so awesome. And but if I ever had a son at ten, I'd be willing to show him this movie. Well, because think people, a lot of people die, but you don't ever really like. It's a cartoon. Sean Connery it's, breaks it's that guy's tunes. neck and then throws him pretty far. I think so. He lands in a heap. From the what? side of the screen. So it's not like he just fell over. Like, Sean Connery picked the guy up and just tossed his yeah, dead guy, lifeless body. And that guy, like, goes, like, 20 feet. Yeah. Like, that's like a shot put. Yeah. Sean Connery threw a guy. But my favorite part of this movie, and then we'll move on, is the reason that Mason was locked up forever was just because he stole this microfilm, which apparently this one roll of microfilm contained all of the government secrets. Why? That's all he did? And hey, he's locked honey. up forever? Hey, honey, do you want to know who kill, kill, killed Kennedy? Yeah, why, why are all those things on that? I don't know. Oh, it's one. great, though. I'm still okay with that. I'm okay with it, too. But like, you, you talked about like feeling like a kid again. This movie, I definitely felt like a kid the whole time watching this movie. And I kind of wish I could go back and watch it as a kid where I don't notice things that are terrible. I just wish I could do that. See how we watched this and I noticed flaws with it but i just like fucking tuned it out i think there's for a couple of these other movies i didn't but for the rock i I, maybe it's because i always i never liked the rock as much as like a lot of other people did or as much as i should have like i liked a couple of other of these movies more than i like for this is the next film uh i I definitely noticed the mistakes a lot more. which is that um well you know this is another one of a person who feels kind of out of his element uh teamed up with a military specialist in order to take down a, a major threat. Um, but that military specialist kind of dies pretty quickly. And that is Stuart Baird's executive decision. Excuse me, sir. May I help you? Sir? In an age. Excuse me, sir. May I help you? When terrorism knows no boundaries. And the level of threat I have a message for the American president Knows no limits I am in control of flight 343 Sir, I don't think this is about hostages What are you talking about? A shipment of the nerve toxin DZ-5 was hijacked Are you saying nerve gas is on board? Yes, sir, I am They plan to use the DZ-5 and the airplane together To detonate here, over Washington when global response is routine. London is demanding immediate action. There's a hatch on the belly of the 747 near the nose. We could dock there. I know you wrote the book on assaulting hijacked aircraft, but this is five miles above the Earth. I don't think we have any other options. That uh, voice you hear telling us that we don't have any other options is none other than Steven Seagal, who makes his first appearance on, on one of our uh, conversations, right? We haven't talked about Steven Seagal on this podcast yet, have we? Not this episode, but like this podcast. No, in its so. entirety. 
Is this it? This is the one time we're going to talk about Steven Seagal? I mean, depending on what years we do. In, sure, yeah, that's true. That's future. true. Um, he plays... We do 97. We might have to talk about On Deadly Ground. Oh, man. Or we do is Under Siege number 92. Uh, we would have to talk about Under Siege if it's 92. Under Siege is 92. Yeah. Fire Down Below was 97. Yeah, not, Fire not... What did I say? On Deadly Ground. When's On Deadly Ground? On Deadly Ground is 94. We, yeah, we're not going to do a Steven Seagal bonus episode. This is it. This is it, folks, for Steven Seagal. Plays yeah, Lieutenant Colonel that, Putin. Austin Travis. I know, you have um, your, I know you have his dick in your mouth right now. Yeah. Well, he killed he killed three guys' throats in the very beginning of this movie. So, um, Yeah, Putin, Putin gets off on that type of stuff. Um, that and being really good at hockey <laughs> when people let him score a bunch of goals. And riding horses shirtless. Um when the movie opens, they are uh, Steven Seagal and his special forces unit are storming a a a villa belonging to some Chechen mafia members, and they're looking for some DZ five nerve gas, which they've been tipped off is going to be there by Kurt Russell, played by oh by Dr. David Grant, played by Kurt Russell. The nerve gas is not there. Um, where is the nerve gas? But they they do that. Car alarm's going off. We're going to ignore it. They do, um, they manage to, the, the nerve gas, I'm sorry, I'm throwing up by the car alarm. The nerve gas has managed to get smuggled out by somebody. Also, in the course of these things, we get some kind of a flashback about um, uh, the leader of, um, I don't know, what nationality would you say they are? They're Muslim extremists, right? I mean, this is the 90s, so yeah. that's, they're, this is what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, played by the great Andreas Katsoulis. Um, who really doesn't get that much to do. He just gets to look scared and he gets to have like one, two conversations, yeah. uh, which is too bad because he's always... The he's, villains in this don't do much. No, they're more like idea-based, but then they just, they do shoot people and yell at people right in their faces. Yeah. They're yelling at stewardesses a lot. Um, the villain who is, um, where is he? David Suchet, Najiz Hassan. Um... It's you know all it says is co-chief of an extremist organization. Don't you love it when Peru when Perot's the villain in the movie? Prospero? No. Per, is, he was Perot in Her- Hercule Perot. Oh, oh. Puro? Pur- That's what I said. Pur- well, you said Perot. Oh. And I thought you meant Ross Perot. Because no, no. I was willing to go along with whatever Ross Perot comment you wanted to make here. But I just love the fact that they're like, oh, this guy who's already famous for this. No, he's, he's a bad guy. Um, he hijacks a plane and he puts some nerve gas on it. And he's a, concocted a scheme where he's going to explode this plane, spoiler alert, in Washington, D.C. But the government thinks that there's going to be a hostage transfer. And that if the hostage is released, if... Um, Andreas Katsoulis, uh, I'll say Jaffa is released, then they will divert this plane and not kill all of these passengers. Well, David Grant knows better. He knows that the nerve gas is on that plane. They're going to have to get up to that plane, Mario, and they're going to have to disarm that bomb and save these passengers. There's only one way to do it. They have to get this special plane designed by the great Oliver Platt, which can release this sleeve, which can attach to another... Uh, airplane and they can sneak onto it and they can they can get in there and they can disable the, the bomb F-117X which is actually a real plane 
And I so that's what they do. Bomber. But then, but then Cappy, played by Joe Morton. This is another. This is another movie that has like a lot of amazing people in it. Um, he falls during some turbulence when they're doing the transfer up there. He and he breaks a vertebrae, and he has to be lifted up. And in the confusion, uh, they've they've kept the seal for too long. They have to close the seal, and and Steven Seagal doesn't get on the plane. So now it's all of <coughs> David Grant. And this like, this is a big moment though. Like this talking about deception in film trailers. Like Steven Seagal in the trailers leading up to this is listed as the, the star. Kurt oh, Russell was already kind of like he had had Tombstone. But know? this is but a big he, another big year for Kurt Russell, right? Because he did Escape from L.A. this year too, right? He does. But like Escape from L.A. was a pretty minor film at this point. But like Kurt Russell had kind of been go like Kurt Russell's star <clears throat> compared to Steven Seagal's star at this time was mm-hmm. there was a big difference and steven seagal is kind of the king and so when steven seagal gets like fucking sucked out of that thing and you see his body basically that sound effect should be attached to him you know you're just like in the audience you're just like holy shit yeah they just fucking killed off like now we're gonna have kurt russell who's like kind of an action guy and he's wearing a tuxedo yeah through the whole movie except for that one time he wears a sweatshirt for uh ultimately kind of not great film that's a good subversive moment yeah um ultimately what happens here is and it saves us from a steven seagal movie (laughs) they have to well a steven seagal movie in close quarters i think would be bad like without him having to do like without anyone like because even before steven seagal became a fat man he was already moving like a fat man yeah and he needed space to punch people he couldn't just punch people. And there's not a lot of has, punching move, going on to, here. He has to do the hand things. And he's got no personality. So he, if he's not slitting people's throats or punching them in the face, what is he doing? Oh, uh, beating his wife. <laughs> in movies, I mean. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, so what happens is that everyone splits up. They kind of they spend a lot of time in the underbelly of this plane. He starts communicating uh, stealthily with Halle Berry, who plays a uh, flight attendant on this. Um, Who's really working hard uh, on this? I, I made a comment to my wife that I love watching early Halle Berry movies because she is just acting the shit out of stuff, even if the, if what yeah, she, she is acting Oscar, is not. She calmed down, right? Um, but you get to get again. So you get there's another movie with a huge supporting cast of like really good people. John Leguizamo was great in this. <laughs> so in the background, you're just like, oh, that's John Leguizamo. No, he's but he's pretty he's pretty major when they get up onto that plane. What's funny about this movie is he's such like a, I, like I, when I saw this in the, I saw this in theaters. Mm-hmm. I think like, I, did I too. actually saw everything but the rock. Everything we're going to talk today about today, but the rock and the substitute in theaters. Mm-hmm. I saw the other four. No, when you talk about the other, no, sorry, broke uh, the movie. We'll talk about next is a big one for the corrective punishment in a child. Um, okay. When I saw, but when I saw this in theaters, I was like, "Holy shit, Luigi!" And then he's a fucking badass in this. Yeah, he's good in this. Yeah, like there could have been a case to make Legozama like an action star out. Yeah, because he fucking acts the shit out of being like a badass. Like I think he's, he's really ruthless. good. Yeah. he's ruthless. Has a, like, well, he knows what it's one of those things where he knows what he's doing and he just does it. I think it's one of the, they they. They didn't even play him as like a joke. He's just no, a no, no. fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. beast. Even though he does make, he does crack some jokes. Yeah, but he's not a, he's right. not comedic relief. Um, he's fucking 
Like when shit goes down, like he's a small dude. Like the the rat nickname's kind of there for yep. that. But he just fucking annihilates people. Yeah. Um. You get BD Wong, who I think is great. Who's I didn't recognize BD Wong being in this until I just recently watched it. Um, I already mentioned Oliver Platt. I already mentioned Joe Morton. Oliver, I love Oliver Platt. <laughs> Oliver you get Platt Mary Ellen Trainer, just so you know that it's you know nineties eighties. Yeah. You also get which I keep I keep forgetting she she recently passed away. You get Marla Maples plays a small role here as a flight attendant. You also get a tremendous J T Walsh performance, guys, as Senator Mavros. Say, you don't have to say tremendous. In front of J.T. Walsh. <laughs> I love how J.T. Walsh gets... he His handler gives him the idea to, like, get some kind of political victory by negotiating. And then when it doesn't go correctly, he gets mad at that handler. Even though he's also like, yeah, I could totally do that. That's great. Um, he is better in this than he is in Sniper. I think this movie... Yeah, he's a little better in this than he is Sniper. <laughs> Not because of J.T. Walsh's fault. Just because... Overall, Sniper is a bad movie. Um, I so you don't like this movie. I kind of like this movie. Um, my I think it's a good time. This, I think it's. I think it sets. I think the tension gets really kind of palpable to a certain extent because they don't I do a lot of say, stuff. It's my second favorite JT Walsh Kurt Russell film. Breakdown's number one. Yeah, yeah, Breakdown obviously fucking great. Um, my problem with this is it really slows down after the transfer. It does. And then it then it, it stays everything's slow for a while. It until stays it slow for an hour up. until it picks up for like 20 minutes. Right. But like it's ramping up. It's ramping. Like you have that, that kind of fun opening sort of 90s action scene. And that entire like the stealth bomber scene, the um, F-117, was it the F-117 stealth bomber? Uh-huh. Which I didn't know is a decommissioned plane now. Like that entire transfer scene, like in 96 – like early March '96, that was like one of the coolest fucking things you had seen on the big screen. '96, mm-hmm. I think for me, is a year where film really kind of like became these big spectacle moments. Like big spectacle moments became kind of the norm of the year in '96. Yeah, um, the two movies we're going to talk about in a bit. Like you usually had like one movie a year having a big spectacle. You know, like whether it be. You know, the T-1000 reforming himself or any of the, the, you know, like Grant and company, including now Academy Award, Laura Dern, seeing, you know, the dinosaurs. Like You had the one big moment a year. But 96 was the year where you had like these big moments constantly throughout film. And like that transfer scene, like seeing it on a theater screen was like one of the coolest fucking things. Yeah. Like it had like a, a certain level of like just We're going to be honest with you. It's it. One of the problems with re-watching these movies is that they didn't make these movies to be shown on video. They no. made these movies to be shown on screens. So they all look a little weird except for The Substitute. Well, the Substitute's a made-for-cable movie. Well, The Substitute just all automatically by its own existence looks weird. But um, my problem with this is just like it, it ramps up to that. That scene is really well paced and really intense and you're like especially like watching it back you still can't believe Steven Seagal is going to die in this scene you're like mm, he's going to sacrifice himself to figure it out and then he gets fucking sucked out of the plane you're like oh all bets are off and then just nothing else happens well then because you for have for like to... 40 minutes things have to slow down because it's an action movie too so you're not like necessarily thinking um <coughs> not necessarily thinking like about being invested in the characters at all. You know what I mean? You well, just kind of want to see people die and, and on a problem, plane. And I think the problem with that too, though, is like then you kind of get the emotion, you kind of get the sense of like all bets are off. And so like this team could be like 
knocked off and died. Like, the villains could win. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember watching this as a kid thinking, like, oh, the bad guys might win this. You know? Yeah. Just because all bets are off. And then the the Kurt Russell and team just fucking annihilate everybody. Well, it's one of those movies, too. Like, in the, in the finale, is just, like, a Captain Phillips-esque, like, takeover of the plane of just, like, easily handling the problem. And you, you know? know what I love about this movie, too, is the sound of those silenced gunshots. I mean, I don't want to say that I love the sound of gunshots, but it's actually really um, immaculate in this movie. Like, the... You can hear every individual, like, bullet. But it adds a lot to it adds a lot to that moment. You know what I mean? Because that moment is... After, like you said, 40 minutes of just people crawling around inside of an airplane and just, like, peeking around holes and, and cameras and stuff like that, um, you kind of want – that has to work. That that moment has to be perfect for it to pay, like to well, feel like a payoff. The thing that's kind of impressive is just, like, I think when they find, like, the military takes control of that scene, like, and it's so, like, precise and quickly done, like, the fact that it just feels so – um, by the numbers, mm-hmm. like feels realistic. Expertly, yeah. It's like but expertly it's done. boring. Like it's boring to watch on screen. Like you want, you just kind of want that a... suspension of disbelief. You don't yeah. want just to watch like these highly trained military guys fucking take out all the bad guys really easily. Well, and see, I part of me though, likes and then there it becomes when... like this a sudden like we need to land the plane issue. But then you're like, but after that happens, you're like, of course they're gonna land the plane. Well, I part of me likes. To the fact that, like, none of the, after Steven Seagal dies, like, none of the good guys die. Like, everybody makes it off the plane. John Lee was almost fine. Um, you yeah, know, Cappy's I, I, just got know, one cracked vertebrae. Oliver Platt's, you know, everyone's fine. I didn't like that. I wanted some I was, yeah, more, I, I wanted some more ramping up of that. I think, like, it felt as though they lead to this big moment that feels like a groundbreaking change in action of, like, this invincible fucking dude. Like, because Steven Seagal was invincible in the 90s. And, you know, he just gets fucking thrown to the side. And you're like, oh, this is different. This mm-hmm. feels different. And then it's not. Yeah. And it's, like, even I get more that. bulletproof, you know, to quote the great Damon Wayans, Adam Sandler <laughs> film from 1996. Um, it, it just becomes a day at the office. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of is bothersome. Like, it... it you have another hour movie left over. You feel like the stakes are going to be big, well, and, and the is, stakes just aren't. And this is where we we diverge. It sets like bad. It sets like a bad precedent. But it's funny because yeah. this is where we always diverge in, in any of these conversations. Where I like, I like the movie to not be. So I like this movie better than The Rock because this movie is much less hysterical than The Rock. It's when these movies reach this kind of fevered pitch of craziness. I'm usually all. I'm usually checked. Yeah, out. It's, this movie isn't crazy. It doesn't ever all. hit that. It doesn't ever hit that note, and I, I think that's the reason I, I mean, kind of respond to it, it so feels, much. I mean, it's ridiculous in its premise. Oh yeah, but it feels plausible that you know this elite military guy would just die in this thing. And I then, mean, to quote Con Air, though, it doesn't seem plausible that like they would never look at any other part of the plane. With all those guys they have on the plane, there's no one looking in any other part except for like just where the passengers are. Well, no. Why would why would there be why would there be dudes on the plane? Why would there be guys in the the cargo hold? Just they should still have a guy down there. Just makes sense. BD Wong is just walking around down there for like 20 minutes, just cutting shit up. Yeah, he's BD Wong. He fucking figured out how to make dinosaurs. That's true. That's true, Mario. 
Is there a tie-in to the B.D. Wong making dinosaurs that we can do for this next movie? Well, how do you make 20 bucks? Oh, that's good. That's, that's a good one. How do you make $20, Tom? Um, you don't make it by making James Conn a villain, because we're not going to talk about Eraser. But I do really <laughs> want to talk about Eraser really quick. That movie sucks. You remember Eraser? I've never seen Eraser. Oh, well. It's not really interesting. Eraser, another movie I was really excited for. Super stoked for the trailers looked great. There was this like weird experimental gun that could see through walls. Yes, yeah. you know Arnold Schwarzenegger in the mid nineties. I don't think that was a good Next. time for Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think so either. Yeah, no, because like he got like Six Days a couple years after that. End of Days, mm, all yeah, those yeah, yeah. Days movies. No, he was he kind of gave up the ghost to uh, to like Sylvester Stallone. I thought made a lot of good movies. And, Man, and, and these you're guys. just you're just gonna keep talking about Daylight, aren't you? I think Daylight is a great movie. Daylight's just wasn't Daylight like PG thirteen? That was my problem. With Daylight, well, because nothing, because everything was just covered in water. So he's just getting those people out of that tunnel. But like the constant, my, I think my the problem, constant threat of everything going. But everyone going terrible, I think, is, is really my, palpable in my that problem, movie. I think my big problem with Daylight is isn't, doesn't the dad, one dad die, sacrificing remember. himself? I think maybe. I don't remember that. I remember feeling like that was not earned. Like they had, I felt Sylvester Stallone needed to die in that movie. Um, I, I don't and think he, he could, though, because it. I think, if I remember correctly, he needs to he do a feat of strength at the end. Well, let's make it somebody else. I, but you can't. <laughs> Did you see? The, the, Already dies doing the feat of strength. Maybe. He maybe. lifts up something and then he dies. No, because you need him to make a comment afterwards about how old he is. He wasn't that old at that time. He was like 50. All oh, right, He was like 50, wasn't he? No. Because he's like 76 right now. Oh, so he was like 50. Yeah. Jesus. Do you know who wasn't old, though? At that point? Howie Long? No, he was just retired. But you know it wasn't old? Who, Mario? John Travolta. You know who else wasn't old? Bob Gunton. <laughs> Bob, Bob <laughs> Gunton is pretty old. Christian, Sl- Christian Slater was... What? Tw- Christian Slater was 27 when he did this movie? He looks like a baby. Jesus Christ, I thought Christian Slater... Wait, how old was... John Travolta was only 41? Holy shit. Oh my god, I'm almost as old as these pe- I'm older or almost as old as these people are in these movies. Anyways, the next movie we're going to talk about is Broken Arrow. They are America's first line of defense. Best of friends. All right, Captain. Snap of the earth. Here we go. Fierce competitors. Very nicely done. Almost as good as me. Ready to protect our nation against any threat. Carrying the nukes. You love having the power of God at your fingertips. Not tonight, buddy. But what if the enemy is one of them? What the hell are you doing? We got pilots down. Uh, In this conversation, I'm going to make a big fucking statement. It's going to shock you. About something I think is the best of something. All right. From somebody. Um, Major Deke and Hale start out with a boxing match. That they would definitely let people in the Air Force do. Yeah, especially before flying an experimental stealth bomber. Yep. Speaking of, 1996 really loved their stealth bombers, huh? Mm-hmm. 
Which was actually interesting because in they love their WMDs. So at this time, I was living in Nevada, and Nevada, as we know, is is do we know this is is the land of basically experimental aircraft. So like all the time in the air, you'd see fucking stealth bombers, mm-hmm. which was cool. So like it felt. Maybe that's why I respond so much to like these movies is like I would see the stealth bomber in the air, like flying over, just because they were just doing experimental flights with it. Like, spoiler alert, Area 51 is just a place where they fly experimental aircraft out of. So here's a question, though, Mario. If one of these uh, pilots of one of the experimental aircraft ejected out of his seat and you found them in the desert, would you pull a gun on them or threaten to kill them with a knife? See, you said, you told me this. And in West, I remember in park rangers will carry guns in certain parks. Do they, they just pull them on people, though? I mean, if you're Samantha Mathis. I mean, she, <laughs> listen, she was a princess. She was? Yeah. And for real? Uh, yeah. Of for what? Real. She was Daisy. She's Princess Daisy. In Super Mario Brothers. Oh. Dumb bastard. Oh, my God. I do not remember that movie. I've I mentioned that twice today. You have. There's no Bob Hoskins movie for you to talk about. There's no about. Dennis Hopper movie for mm, you to talk about. Unfortunately, um, Decalover. They're 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 flying an experimental um, plane in over Utah. Utah. It's got to be over Utah. I don't. They, no, they said Utah. Utah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because like there's like he said if we ever go everything. to get a, to war against Utah, we'll really know yeah. how to kick their asses. Deke turns his back. On his country. On his country. Because he didn't get a promotion. One of the best ever motivations for villain ever. And steals the nuclear warheads and tries to kill Riley. Riley survives the crash while Deke goes off with the um, the the two bombs. And has planned to hold America hostage. All these movies, these last three movies all have almost the same exact plot, don't they? Give us money or we're going to kill millions of people. Yeah. That seems like a fair trade, right? I want $250 million for being sad in my job, or I'm going to kill, kill 500,000 people. Again, Graham. delivered by the inimitable Raven Cruz. Graham Yost, what are you doing, buddy? You had wrote Speed, and then you did Justified, which is one of the best TV shows of the past like 15 years. Then you kind of just make the same movie everyone else made. But, however, you know, Riley teams up. With Park Ranger Terry Carmichael, in order to thwart Deke's plans as they travel through the Utah desert. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a John Woo movie. It's a fucking John Woo movie for sure. Uh, I it's not like the most John Woo movie though. No, <laughs> it's definitely a reserve. It's not a hard target. Um, no. sort of John Woo movie or or even face face off or even killer. I didn't see Killer. Oh, you need to see. You need to see Killer. What are, you, what are you shrugging for? Killer and Hard Boiled are fucking amazing. I always forget you're not an action film guy, and it makes me curious there's a moment as to how this, you exist. There's a moment in this movie where Christian Slade, they're in the mines, and there's a, there's a barrel that's just fallen over, and Christian Slater jumps over it, like sideways. And awesome. <laughs> no, because that's what happens in John Woo movies. He always just puts people in really close quarters, and then they try to do really crazy things in them. Yeah, it's great. 
needlessly killer and hard-boiled. Stranglehold. Play, there, there's a, a John Woo video game for Xbox 360 called Stranglehold. Great. Face um, Off isn't cool because of, of like the fight scene John Woo stuff. Face Off is cool because of Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Take Travolta's my face to, off. Trying to be each other. I like how we both did the same thing. Um, you know, this is a pretty paint-by-numbers action movie from plot, but in terms of the way it's delivered, I was really afraid coming back to this. So, backstory time. In 1996, this was my second most anticipated movie of the year. Because was, of John Woo? No. Um, uh, I don't remember why. Because you really liked Michael? No, Michael hadn't... I don't think Michael had come out yet. Michael this, was after this? I think Michael came out in 96 I thought well. it was Pulp Fiction, Michael, and then this. I think Michael is 96 as well, if I remember right. Michael is uh, 1996. Michael comes out in December. Michael <laughs> opens up against Scream. This is... Wow, he has Should I feel movies. something about that? He has Michael, Phenomenon, and Broken Arrow on the same year. That's pretty good. Um, no, I was just excited for it because it looked fucking fun. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, okay, we'll go see this opening day. You know, my most anticipated movie of the year we'll talk about next. And then I acted up. What did you do? I don't remember. Uh, my mom told me to do something and I did it, but she didn't do it well enough. And I was like, I did it. I, I, I was like supposed to sweep the kitchen. And then she was like, do it again. Like, do it, like, because I didn't really, like, I didn't, I, I definitely didn't do it well. And I was like, no, I already did it. And she's like, no, do it again. And I was like, no. And she's like, are you just, are you really going to stand by this? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, if you refuse to sweep again, you're not going to see Broken Arrow. And I was like, fuck you. I <gasps> bet you. No, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. But in my head, I was like, I was like, you're not going to do, I, in my head, I was like, you're not going to live up to this promise. Right. Like, maybe I, I won't see it for a couple days. But I'll definitely be able to see Broken Arrow in theaters. And I said, no. And then they said, you're not going to see Broken Arrow. And a week went by. And I was like, can I see Broken Arrow? And they're like, no. Two weeks went by. Can I see Broken No. I had to wait until it came out on video. What? I saw it opening day on when it came out that Tuesday on video. But honestly, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, that's. <laughs> the the most effective punishment I've ever gotten in my life. I never tested my parents' boundaries about whether or not they'd fulfill a punishment. That's sad. It's a sad story. This would have looked good on the big screen. Yeah, I, I'm sure it would have. Yeah. I mean, it's not a sad story. I think it was a good punishment. That's true. That's because true. Because I never, again, tested the boundaries of thinking they would not fulfill a punishment. They they did. Hmm. Um. But coming back to that, when I finally saw it on video, like it, it made it worse because I fucking love this movie. I mean, I asked for it for Christmas after I saw it on VHS, and I got it on VHS. Did you ask for a nuclear warhead? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> for Christmas also? And I, but I watched this movie so much, I actually wore out the VHS. This, wow. This movie comes, and I've talked about this on the podcast, this movie is in my pivotal film list. It's just in my 150 to 101. I... For some reason, respond to this movie on every level. I feel as though the charisma between like Travolta and Slater really plays well off each other. I don't think either of these guys does anything particularly impressive. 
um, Travolta's definitely acting on like the nth degree. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Slater is definitely acting on Slater's nth degree, which is which is different. Is it different? Which is different just like degree. to the best of his ability, but. I buy it. I buy like the relationship between them, and I buy like the the the, the, the friendship between them. Mm-hmm. And on the same token, like I buy like this kind of like weird sort of playfulness between Slater and Mathis. Like when Mathis is afraid that she's gonna like die of radiation poisoning from the explosion, and he's just like, "Look at the birds! Look at the birds! The butterflies! The butterflies there! The butterflies!" Yeah. You know, and like they want to be there. Like I just like I buy all that. Um, and even that shitty Howie Long performance just oh has, God, like, he's so, so bad. <laughs> he's so bad. I mean, he doesn't get any better in Firestorm, either. No. Uh, but it has, like, such this weird sort of heart to it. It has this weird sort of, like, um, not, not earnestness, but it has this weird sort of tackiness to it. It's uh-huh. fucking fun. Well, so and it's just so much fun. I think it's weird because I think this movie is more fun than The Rock. No, no, no. It I takes agree. itself much less seriously than The Rock, which I think for um, ain't it cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and just everything about this, you know, the fight scene, the the fight scene between them sitting in their chairs. Flying the stealth bomber is hilarious. It's just like them just kind of having a slap fight across an aisle. <laughs> and one of the great, you know, fight scene moves of all time, I think, has to be John Travolta with his helmet just going up and down and up and down and up and down, like a bunch of times. Um, and John Travolta smoking. I mean, what is that cigarette maneuver that he does with like what? the full extend? Yeah. And then he's just like, you know, really quick takes it out of his hand and stuff like that um yeah i mean it's 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 just a good it's literally just a good time it's like, not trying to do anything i know else. you don't like travolta in this but you don't like some of the stuff he does in this like where he's like fuck him if they can't take a joke like borrowing that line from heathers but that doesn't make any sense i don't even know what that means in the context of this what joke what's the joke it doesn't matter what doesn't matter it's fine what's the but the, the other i mean so it's Again, this is a there's a logic thing where I wish I could I wish I could suspend my like disbelief enough to just care that he's doing any of the things that he's doing. So I'm just enjoying it like on a kind of visceral level. But, you know, none of that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like nothing that's happening makes any sense. Why is he doing any of the things that he's doing just because he's mad that he didn't get a promotion? So he's gonna sell this to sweet to to Swedish people? <coughs> The Swedes are buying a nuclear weapon from an American soldier? And what is Bob Gunton's role in this? Bob Gunton's role in this is just to get chopped in the throat. I guess. Um, but, like, none of that stuff makes any sense. So you need all that kind of cool stuff. Other, like, you, don't, you don't like Deacon. Would you mind not shooting at the new thermonuclear yeah, weapons? Yeah, I do. You know why? Because they just explained... Kurtwood Smith just explained to us that you could... Put it in a in a chemical fire for five hours and nothing would happen to it. But Deke doesn't know this. Why? How does he not know it? He's a fucking pilot. Okay, but he's got to know it. You know why he should know it? Because apparently he built those nuclear weapons because he used uncoated circuit boards in it. So how did he get access to them to put his own circuit board in there? But I don't know. I I think that's why I love this movie. I just I really fucking love Travolta in this. 
I said, God damn, what a rush. Yeah, I get it. That's cool. I mean, he overacts the shit out of this. And like you said, is he trying to catch the the bomb? Yeah, game? he's totally trying no, to catch I think, it. I think he's accepting. He no, knows he I, lost. Think he, I think he thinks he can catch it. I, he knows he lost. He's like, bring it on. That's his face. is not a, a bring cool it on way. face. I'm his face cool is way. an I'm going to catch it face. No, he's like, I think his face is like, I'm going to die in a fucking badass way. I don't think so. I think he thinks he's going to catch I it. I think he knows he's dying in a badass way because he's a villain who stays cool all the way through. He's pretty, yeah, he stays cool. He's like one of the most badass like film villains ever. He has a lot of, he has to tell Bob Gutton to calm down in a lot of fun ways. But I still think he thinks he can catch that nuclear weapon. I mean, he might. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. But even if he can't, he still looks like maybe he's okay with just dying there. Oh, yeah. And it's just badass. Everything about this movie just flows badass. He's ready to go. And like, I don't know. I I rewatched this afraid I wasn't going to like anything from it. And I liked everything about it still. And it reignited like my gigantic nine-year-old crush on Samantha Mathis. But my question is, my my other question is, did did, did you also have a crush on Samantha Mathis? No, 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 I did not care about Samantha Mathis. Did you watch Broken Arrow back in the day? Yeah. I don't know. Samantha. Yeah. I mean, she got me over my crush on uh, Alicia Silverstone. She's not Helen Hunt. I didn't have a Helen Hunt thing. So, there you go. I had, a, I had Samantha Mathis thing. Hot take time. Oh, yeah. You, I'm, I'm waiting for this. This film features, to me, and, and this, is, this is the hottest of hot takes on this podcast so far, the single best creation from a particular member of the film world. What does that mean? This is the best Hans Zimmer score. Ever. Huh. I fucking love this Hans Zimmer bow, score. Bow, 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 bow. And I don't... I, I might be biased, because uh, Marco Beltrami was like rushed on the Scream 2 score, mm-hmm. and so they literally took some of this score from Broken Arrow and put it in the Scream 2. So in some of like the moments of like the good guys like winning one over, like in Scream Two, like this would play. And I'd sit there in the theater as like a eleven year old boy because my mom let me go with my friend. What the hell was the name? Aaron? Adrian? I don't remember. He's a weirdo. Um, I quickly un- unfriended him as a person. Poor Adrian. I don't, know, I don't remember his name. Uh, but I sat there and go like, that's the that's the Broken Arrow theme. But like. It's it's to me it's iconic. Well, it kind of sounds like some other stuff. It's like that neo western stuff that like a lot of people were doing at the time, or that a lot of people but do it's now. Great, I fucking love it. Well, I think it, I think it serves its purpose, especially like when he's when he's like you, you know keep, when Bob you can keep your time talking him, and he's like he's like why would you say that about me, or why would you say that? And he's like walks over that little hill there, and he's like boom 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 boom. He's like whoa, cool. Like, do you want a coke? It's like why is that product placement in there? <laughs> Where'd but, you get that coke from? It's like of all the Hans Zimmer scores that he ever did or uh, had, you know, underlings do, this is the one that sticks with me. Yeah, I mean, time spun and all that from Inception, but like this is this this is there is two bits of music from 1996 that I still play in my head whenever I create little movies in my brain. One is from the movie we're going to talk about next, and the other one is. Needless to say, I don't feel that way. But it's an interesting take. It's a hot take. It's a super hot take. 
But the other score that really connects to me is uh, David Arnold, who hasn't done much since then. He did he does Sherlock. But uh, he works often with Roland Emmerich. And, and the song I'm thinking of is is that Alien Arrival score mm. in uh, the next movie we're going to talk about, Independence Day, where it goes... Dun, 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 dun. And, um, yeah. Police and the fire departments are asking... It is morning. Stay off the phone. You wake up. Hey, 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 come on. You greet your loved ones. You grab the morning paper. And although it seems like any ordinary day, it isn't. For one extraordinary reason. A historic and unprecedented event has occurred. The question of whether or not we are alone in the universe has been answered. This is so cool. Four ships have just arrived off India, England, and Germany. I really don't think they flew 90 billion light years to come down here and start a fight. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! They're using our own satellites against us. The clock is ticking. If we, We've talked a lot in the pivotal film list um, about how... I excised films from the list that I just felt dirty about having on the pivotal film mm-hmm. list. And Independence Day is one of those movies. It once again shows up in 150 to 101. It was, I think I was cheeky and I put it at 114 because I was like, ID4. That's close to ID4. Um, so cheeky? Did I use the word cheeky? That's fun. Sure. Uh, this was the first movie I was ever looking forward to for a year. I, at some point, got a subscription in 1995 to Entertainment Weekly, mm-hmm. and they'd post like some production photos and some discussion photos of this. Um, around March, they released some making of documentaries on HBO, and there was actually like this... I don't know if you can find it anymore, but there was a faux document not documentary but a faux news report like built around in the movie Independence Day like you remember this Independence Day was like a fucking deal yeah like I think Independence Day was probably the most like heavily advertised film of that decade um I think so like that or Jurassic Park but I think Jurassic Park probably Jurassic Park but I think I don't think Jurassic I think Jurassic Park was more like you know the pedigree of Steven Spielberg. Well, they didn't have, yeah, they didn't have to sell Jurassic Park. They were just like, Steven Spielberg made a dinosaur movie. Yeah. Independence Day was like, it's a movie about aliens fucking shit up. You know? And, like, Roland Emmerich was still an unproven commodity at this time. He had just done Stargate. Stargate had been a moderate success. Um, but, like, the fact of what was happening was the thing. I, I will fully say this. Another hot take. Without Independence Day happening, you don't have the rise of the superhero movie. You don't have the Spider-Mans. You don't have the Marvel movies. Like This is the movie that kind of like created the film itself, the event itself being... It's the first film that feels like a Super Bowl. Mm. You know, the Super Bowl sort of film. Probably not, but probably to us it might have. <clears throat> I mean, 
Jurassic Park is like the first, I mean, not Jurassic, uh, Jaws is the first blockbuster. But Dra- I, I remember Jurassic Park just being advertised as just like, here's a Hallmark film from, you know, and I remember Terminator but, being kind of like Terminator Well, be Terminator 2, yeah. Kind of had that, but it w- was less so because it was R-rated. Right. Um, Independence Day was the first kind of like wide-reaching arcing film. Independence Day, I, I saw I think, Jurassic Park opening weekend. I saw these movies opening weekend. I went to see Jurassic Park July 3rd. I went to the theater an hour early. Elko, Nevada, mm-hmm. another small little mining town. We went an hour early. There was a line out the door. For Jurassic Park? For No, for Independence Day. Oh. Um, by the time we got to the, the show, by the time we got to the box office, uh, we figured that the showing we had originally going to was like a, like a 6.30 show. It was uh-huh. sold out. All the showings were sold out through like the next day we mm-hmm. had to rebought tickets for like a 5 30 show but that happened to day. me when me and my dad went to see bat like the first tim burton batman movie oh like, I, we waited in a line like out in the mall parking lot for hours just trying to get tickets to the oh movie. i assume i no, i assume that but i think like independence day was that like big it was a big deal it, it was, was a big big deal, deal but it was also just had it was the film that like i guess it and like the batmans kind of had this like huge amount of weird marketing around it like you had that first kind of subversive like i said sort of false marketing of like a mockumentary yeah like uh, did you ever see the hbo Mm-mm. documentary about it? so like they did this entire thing of like oh we see the alien ships coming over russia and whatnot and for a while i thought it was like a false memory of mine mm-hmm. until i found it um you know and and it was the first thing i remember like even before the movie came out they were doing specials about like the special effects like about 30 minute long things about this is how we blew up fucking like well that's city so i mean for me that was i remember that being the big selling point was like we're gonna blow up the white house and we're gonna blow up the empire state building and we're just gonna blow we're just gonna and also the u.s also the first interstate bank building we're just gonna yeah we're now, just gonna blow this shit up first interstate no first interstate yeah first interstate now the u.s bank building um and it was kind of amazing, like because I don't think a lot of movies so callously were just like, yeah, we're gonna blow up this whole city. Yeah, because everyone's the, gonna die. You know, and it's gonna look cool and it's gonna feel cool and it's gonna be like whatever. I mean, if we had um... Michael Bean, oh Chris, if we had Chris on this timestamp that because you could clearly hear me say Joker episode. If we had Chris on this episode. You know, he, I think he would kind of be familiar with the Roland Emmerich that would come of, like, the day after tomorrow. Of just like, yeah, destroying everything but, but so I think, passively. But I think he would still find... <clears throat> I think you would still find that Independence Day kind of meant something to, like, kids his age, even though he's a lot younger than both of us. He's... I've, Independence Day probably still resonated. It was still, like, a significant movie that you had to see. Like, at some point, you still had to see Find Independence Day and watch it. I mean, I saw it in... We were in California that year on vacation, and I saw it at the at Man's Chinese Theater, which was kind of that's, cool. That's amazing. Uh, to quickly describe the plot for the one person who hasn't seen this movie yet, uh, Independence Day weekend, because apparently aliens are very pro-American. Yep. They got the MAGA hats on. Um, they have come to Earth in order to steal our resources um 
with a gigantic mothership. That mothership launches out a bunch of small, gigantic city-side saucers that settle over a bunch of major cities. Um, David? David! Levinson, uh, a cable repairman who's... What's his actual job? He's, he's a satellite technician. He just repairs satellites for... He, like, positions satellites for a major cable... Uh, not news station, but a major cable... Like, the, like oh, Comcast really? Sort of okay. Figures out that these... Uh, figures out that the signals have been disrupted because there's a countdown going on between these ships. Yep. Because it turns out the ships are counting down to an attack on Earth. Uh, he informs the president, President Bill Pullman, the best type of president to have. President Bill Pullman and President Morgan Freeman were the two presidents you wanted in the 1990s. Except he didn't, because, you know, one had an alien invasion near one. You, president Michael Douglas was fine, and President Kevin Klein. Oh, and, and President um, Harrison Ford. And President Harrison Ford. President Get Harrison Ford. Plane. President Harrison Ford is probably the one you want the most. I don't know. He seemed like he wanted to be president the least. <coughs> he seemed like That's he was true. getting the least out of being president. President Kevin Klein was bad and good. Well, he the was, first one was terrible. The second one was like, I once caught a fish this, this big. big. That's such a fucking good movie. Well, my Dave, favorite. Do Dave, you like Dave? I love Dave. Dave is so fucking good. My favorite. Part of that movie is, you know, another suspension of disbelief where he could just, like, solve the budget, like, one weirdo program at a time. I found this out, guys. And the fact Why that, don't we just do this? I love Frank Langella just being, like, oh, super mad about everything. It's like he's fixing the country and Frank Langella's mad that he's losing whatever little power the chief of staff Dave, had. Dave had to have been made by a good director, right? Like, I feel like it's like a Ron Howard movie or something. Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. So, same sense. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as the countdown reaches zero, uh, the aliens attack all throughout the world, and uh, the world is kind of left against the ropes on July 3rd until David once again figures out that um, apparently the aliens used Microsoft 1995, which I've always considered a plot hole in this film until recently. Okay. I can't remember an article. I think it might have been on Slate, which is a weird place to find an article and making a good point, but I did. I think it was Slate that said it would make sense that we might be able to find a bug in the alien programming because all of our technology was reverse engineered from the alien programming in Roswell because the idea is in the film, the Roswell alien crash. That's true. Was... Um, the aliens scouting us out. But did they make it clear that we were using their <coughs> programming to like for commercial purposes? Uh, or that they, we had even... They 100% under- do. In the film novelization of this book that I read. Oh, okay. Uh, Roland Emmerich doesn't do that because it's Roland Emmerich. Um, but he figures out a bug. And on July 4th, America and the world... Rises up and takes over and takes out the alien threat, and then and then no sequel happens. That's that's it. America wins and the world wins. I and always it, forget that there was a sequel. Yeah, no, it's it's good. That I hand to God, 
that I actually believe in, uh, never saw Independence Day Resurgence. What's a, what's it about? Don't know. Will Smith's not in it, right? No. So it's just Jeff Goldblum and who? Is Jeff Goldblum in it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he's in it. I know Bill Pullman's in it. I remember that. Um, Is he still I think the aliens. I think the aliens come back at some point, and they do some weird technology. I honestly, when they said that sequel was coming out, I fucking, like, early spoilers to this review, I fucking love Independence Day. Um, oh, really? I don't think people could tell. <laughs> I, uh, I refuse to. Like, it was the one time... Like, I don't care about sequels coming out because sequels can never ruin an original for me. Right. I just, I did what a sane person would do with any movie that you don't want to have come out. And I was just like, that's not fucking happening. Well, it doesn't make any sense. It literally just doesn't exist in my world. Yeah, good. It doesn't exist in my world either. When I was, you know, looking up where they could see this without having to pay for it. I read the sequel books. Like, the sequel Independence Day books I read. Some of them are pretty good. So do they try to build like a, a universe around this? Yeah, like a kind of, kind of Star Wars kind of, type of no, not canon. Star Wars. It just it just becomes eventually about like aliens planning an eventual like slow attack, like larger ship. Or are you talking about the movie or are you talking about the novelizations? The novelizations and stuff. No, the novelizations yeah. are like a slow attack and like us using their technology against it. It's actually they're they're really pulpy fun. Hmm. Cool, but Independence Day Resurgence just didn't happen. I know Bill Pullman dies in it. Does it take place like many years later? Or is it, it takes it just place like, like in the 2000, next week? It takes place in 2017. Like uh, the world, I know that the world rebuilds itself using the alien technology. Well, I just think it's weird that like the movies suggest that they, they actually, it doesn't suggest anything. It says they bring their whole civilization with them and they just move from place to place. So if they blow up the, they nuke the mothership and they blow up all the other ships, what would be left of their civilization to reattack? Okay, so the mo- so the world I know with. in the sequel that the mothership wasn't their entire civilization, it's just like an attack fleet. But, but the even though they said that it was their entire civilization. Yeah, the entire civilization is actually coming. And but apparently I do know I've I, I read the synopsis of the sequel. Uh, there's some weird like AI thing or ancient alien culture thing that tries to help the humans but it turns out there's more aliens that are coming to attack us Mm. but then from their home planet which doesn't make any sense because like their home planet shouldn't be around because like you know they destroyed their resources well yeah i guess the sequel ends with humans going like we've been on the defense now we're going on the attack oh i don't know independence day resurgence never happened okay i'm fine with that like, Whatever you just described, and I don't know what it's for, like it sounds after, terrible. Speaking of which, another disservice done against my parents to me. Yeah. My Speaking of Roland Emmerich, I believe he lost the plot with The Patriot. And I was really excited for The Patriot because I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom and dad had a fight. And I would just kept telling my mom how excited I was for The Patriot. I wanted to see it in theaters. Uh-huh. And she, like, they had a fight. She drove off, you know, just to cool down for a while. She came back three hours later. And then she told me she had seen The Patriot. <gasps> now, I, I literally, as a 12-year-old boy, asked her, why did you punish me when you were angry at my dad? Did you rip down your poster of Jason Isaacs right there? I did. And you were just like, oh, God. No, I put it up. <laughs> okay. I'm talked a lot about Independence Day. The history of Independence Day at this point. What, what's your opinion on Independence Day? Um, I, 
it's funny because all the stuff that I said about like all these other movies is also true of Independence Day, and this is the one movie that I kind of don't care about. Like I'm not worried. I don't worry about like any kind of plot holes or <coughs> weird logic problems. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Or it's even even stuff like um. I mean, the one thing I have a problem with is that like giving uh, pertinent information via um, like a mind mind meld with Bill Pullman. Like, so, because we have no idea what the aliens are doing. That exposition dump? And it's just like, just like uh, 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 I saw in his mind. I know what they're planning to do. Yeah, why, this is, is, why like, is that? I don't know. Why did the alien do that? Yeah, why would he tell him? And he, it's not like Bill Pullman has, like, ESP. He's not going to go in, or telekinesis. He's not going to go inside the alien's mind. So the alien, the alien to just told him. him. Yeah. Like, why did you tell him that? Um. And it goes, yeah, I don't know. The alien's just an asshole. That type of stuff, I think, is is bad. But I also think I don't. But I also don't really give a shit because I think it it's um very appealing on like every level. I think the you know out of all the huge casts we've talked about, this is maybe the most or second most. I think it's the second most appealing cast. Um, even for people that like you don't really. I gotta call my lawyer. I gotta call my doc. Ah, screw my lawyer. Well, I love. I mean, so there's all that stuff like. His shrinks. Were you not? His shrinks answering thing, service is still answering calls. The one thing I don't like about this is I really want more Harvey Firestein in this. I don't know why we needed any Harvey Firestein in this. Because he's great. I guess. I wanted more um, Adam Baldwin. I was convinced when I saw this movie that Adam Baldwin was a Baldwin. I was convinced after I saw this movie that Adam Baldwin was going to be a movie star. And then I kept seeing Adam Baldwin like lots of other things. Like he's not the lead; he's just the other, like the fifth guy in like the background or something. Do you know I wanted more? Oh, he died. Who? James James Redhorn died. Yeah. He's very good. I wanted more Harry Connick Jr. He was young when he died. Oh, that's sad. I died of melanoma. Oh, he penned his own obituary. God damn it! No. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of this movie is when James Ribhorn has the Secretary of Defense who gets fired. Yeah, you know, like like the the uh, oh, the city destroyers are is kind of flying over Area Fifty One. Mm-hmm. He sits down in the prayer circle with um, Judd Hirsch, who's still kicking. <laughs> yeah, wait, hold on a second. Is he in Resurgence? Whew, Judd Hirsch is still alive. Judd Hirsch is in the sequel. I remember that as Julius. Oh. And and then, you know, James Reborn goes, I'm not Jewish. They're like, nobody's, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, yeah. Like, this movie has, like, such great moments. And it's it's silly, but it's, like... It's silly, but it so works. So earnestly I mean, silly. There's stuff that I... There's stuff that, like, well, I'll never, I'll never, ever, 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 ever get over. And I don't know why I'll never get over it. I just won't. I hate Vivica A. Fox's character at the beginning of this movie. When I Vivica Fox's character throughout all this movie. When they see the alien spaceship and he's like, he's in the Air Force and this thing is in the sky and he gets called and she's like, <laughs> you're supposed to be on leave. You can't leave me here. And he's just like, I'm going to have this conversation. She's like, you can't. And I'm just like, he's in the Air Force and there's a fucking alien craft in the sky. Yeah, the like, thing, come on. The thing I really hate too, though, is like um, when... Uh, Whitmore's wife. I can't remember what actress played her. Uh, Mary McDonald. Mary, Mary McDonald. It's like, oh, I love Mary McDonald. Valley? And she's like, oh, no, exotic. And like, they do that weird thing. Oh, oh I paid my baby. And it's like, oh, my God. Vicky Fox, you stink. 
You stink this movie. But this is early Vivica A. Fox, so I'm I'm gonna forgive yeah, the acting. Fair. I just think it's it's bad writing. There's no reason to have that kind of like drama of her like wanting him to stay and like, oh, why don't you come? But you know, the basic, you know what makes it bad? There's aliens in the sky. You know makes, but you know what makes it bad though is like Margaret Collins stuff with like Jeff Goldblum is so like good. See, like but, it's so like see, but it's here's so the, like so, it's not good and like it's so fine on a, like a. a 90s action movie level but I'm I'm also I David I find that this movie is problematic in the same way that a lot of movies in like the 90s are problematic is that these women in the same way that like a show like Home Improvement is problematic where Uh-oh. Tim always has to be the hero and Jill is just like this terrible shrew harpy and these women in this movie are like the same way they just like expect they, they, mm, they have fair. like you know they're not given a chance to like be <laughs> real people. They're just like, why did you do that? You can't do that. Like, oh, I'm not going to talk to you right now because, you know, I'm mad Weird. at you because of our divorce. What's interesting is I it's always like, thought... He's a, he's I a always scientist. Thought, he might know something. Thought, like, Constance as being like the thing that pushed hit, pushed David. And yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that's... The, maybe that's like... like but she's weird. so... She's so like single layer. She's like, oh, haven't you ever... Haven't you ever wanted something... To be like part of something good, and he's like, "I was part of something good," and she's just like, "Like, what is part of something good? Being the communications director, like that's the part of something good." Because he, I guess, he wasn't always the president. So, what were you doing before that? Like, what, how did this marriage like go off the rails so badly that like you still love him, but because he didn't want to be more than what he was, like that had, was a conflict for your career? It's like, I don't think it was. I didn't don't see it as that at all. But yeah, because the, I, the movie just it's it's just yeah, it's fair. It's just simple stuff. It's just simple male female relationship garbage that like in a movie about aliens you don't need. You know what stuff blew my mind in this movie though was like um it's not Lou, is it Lou Dobbs in the beginning? No no it's not Lou Dobbs the NBC News uh, Jim Lehrer. Oh yeah yeah Jim Lehrer. Wait Art, Jim Lehrer? It's gotta be Jim Lehrer. He just dies. Right? Yeah it's gotta be, it's the yeah. R.I.P. Jim Lehrer. Like the part where they're talking about. Uh, it has to be Jim. It is because it, the uh, PBS News are. Well, there's a, there's McLaughlin, isn't it? The McLaughlin Group. They show that. Is it McLaughlin? Okay, so when they wake up, what who is it? When they wake up in Whitmore's bed, I'm sitting next to a beautiful brunette. Oh, I don't remember. It's Jim Lurer, I thought. Maybe I don't like, remember. The part blew my mind because like I would watch Jim Lurer like because I was a fucking dumb. I don't know what I was doing when I was ten, ladies. But I was politically relevant. I was politically on the nose. Um, that's how I learned about sex was from my mom. About the- <laughs> I've told you this story, right? How is this related to politics? My okay. So when Bill Clinton got impeached, my mom yelled at the cam- yelled at the television screen just to make you put your dick in her. And then she turned to me. I was like, <gasps> and I was like, and I looked at her and was like, in the butt. And my mom went, no. Damn and it. she explained now I it to, to me. Figure this out, yeah. Awesome. So I, but like when I saw that in this film, I was like, I don't know. It just, there's something about this movie that just connects to me on every level. Yeah. That's, it's the time of your life for that stuff to happen. And the best part of this movie is when the Empire State Building gets blown up and you see just a bunch of balsa wood. It does. Don't just, you love that? Just, just split apart. In wood. Yeah. The Empire State Building is just made of a bunch of wood. It's not. Have you ever? 
if you ever watch like the making of the way they actually did the destruction of cities was cool like it was they literally shot it on the side mm-hmm. so like the entire cityscape is filmed vertically and they just shot fire down oh that's a good idea yeah like i said like shooting fire across is just shooting fire down mm-hmm. it's using gravity it's, it's technically a fucking impressive movie it looks good still i'm glad it won an oscar for what visual, visual effects? effects yeah um, Mario, I think we're at our last 1996 movie. It yeah, is, we, saved, we saved the best. It is Breaking the Waves. <laughs> there is a lot of action in this movie, Mario. It's the saddest <laughs> action movie <laughs> ever. Is no. it, isn't that sad? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty sad. Um, no, Mario, in, it, we were talking about this a little bit off camera. When I told... Oh, man, I love Breaking the Waves. When though. I was told people we were doing this... Um, they said, are you going to talk about this movie? Because I love this movie. I want you guys to talk about this movie. Um, no, it's not on my list. Yeah, why do I feel, why did I watch Breaking the Waves? Because you just wanted to be prepared. No, but I just randomly watched Breaking the Waves one day. Breaking the Waves is fucking good. Yeah, it's real fucking good. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's Breaking a the tough Waves, one. Breaking the, I, I watched Breaking the Waves after I made the pivotal film list. I think Breaking the Waves, if I had watched it like five years earlier, would have made my list. Yeah, I'm sure it would have. A good fucking movie. If he did ever made Antichrist, it would have made my list, but Antichrist ruins my life. I like Breaking the Waves more than I like Breaking it. the Waves is a, probably a better movie, but it doesn't make me question my existence. Breaking the Waves, though, makes me question like everyone else's existence. But I can't worry about everyone else. I just have to worry about myself. And and Antichrist makes me ask questions I don't want to have to answer. That's fair. <laughs> That's why it's on the pivotal film list. But Speaking of that, you know what? You know what would break some waves? Tornado. Yeah, two tornadoes combining make together. Some, yeah, yeah, it makes that makes some waves. So we can only be talking about one movie, Mario. It's Twister. Super, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Oh. But their delegates are tied. That's fine. Um, everyone loves Twister, Mario. Everyone loves Twister. Why does everyone love Twister? Uh, Be- because it's the way you get close to your crush. <laughs> Left hand blue. Oh, get a little close to each other. Yeah, that's what it is. Did you guys play a lot of Twister in Nevada? No. No. I wanted to. <laughs> This is turning into a very. This is turning into the breaking waves of podcasts. <laughs> um, Helen Hunt is Joe, and when this movie opens, Joe's dad has just gone flying out of a out of a storm shelter because he had to keep the door closed, even though when the door is open, no one else flies out of the storm shelter. Yeah, that. So he didn't really need to 
do that. Alexa Vega played her young her. I never knew that. Is that good? Uh, Spy Kids movie. She was in. Oh Lee yeah, yeah, yeah. Opera. She's very. That's very, that same girl. Very pretty. Huh. I don't yeah. remember. It. Um, Joe is uh, played by Helen Hunt, obviously uh, when she's older. Uh, this movie also stars uh, Bill Paxton. In one of the most Bill Paxton-y performance that Bill Paxton ever gave, um, he plays Bill. Uh, he is uh, part of this team of of storm hunters, of tornado chasers. Um, but when this movie starts, he's left that life of tornado chasing to to be a weatherman and to marry Jamie Gertz. Good old. She's. I love Jamie Gertz. Love some Jamie Gertz. Um, when I have to go. That's a cow. <laughs> The cow. <laughs> um, this team, Mario, is a is an all star team. Yeah, like, all star team. You got yourself some Joey Slotnick. You got yourself some Jeremy I mean, I think, Davies. I think Joey Slotnick is the least known guy in this. Poor Joey Slotnick. But I know who he was. Yeah, no, I we know who he was, but like, you got Jeremy Davies, Alan Ruck, Alan Ruck, who was you know, like like so Alan Ruck and Sean Whalen, I think, were already. Decently known mm-hmm. at this point, right? Yeah, well, Alan Ruck was Ferris Bueller, yeah. and Sean Whalen had, had like Whalen had had like some. He had people under the stairs, and who's oh, in that thing duty. you do? He's in jury duty. Well, that thing you do is after this. I thought right? it's ninety six. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, yeah, it's or ninety seven. So yeah, it's after. Um. But you know, then you also have a uh, you know Philip Seymour Hoffman. Playing Dusty. <laughs> did you so? Did you see the scene that I was talking about? When like right before they're going to chase that like tornado, when like they're they're fighting with Carrie Elway's team, and like Bill just says to to uh, uh, Melissa for no reason, "Why don't you get us a couple of coffees?" And then he just like walks to the side of the road, and the sky is turning green, and yeah. then then Dusty just walks up. He's getting, he's getting greenage. He's like, and they're just put puts their arm and saying, "Oh, we're going to get it today's day." Blah blah. That was, was that was a tough moment. That was way sadder than I thought it should be. Yeah. I was just having a regular day watching Twister. I remember, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "They're just in a scene together alone." It's that's that was weird. I remember when I saw this movie though. My mom looked at my mom actually turned to me because I feel like I've been shitting on my mom a lot during this episode. She's a smart woman. She turned to me and was like, that guy's going to be fucking something. Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah. yeah. She turned to me with On Deadly Ground and said, that guy's going to be something too with Billy Bob Thornton. Like, my mom should have been a fucking agent of some sort. Yeah. Um, Billy Bob Thornton was something. But he know, was. Not, I don't know what he is anymore. But on Deadly Ground, though, like, he was yeah, not Yeah, he was anything. not anybody, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Philip Seymour Hoffman's just fucking ridiculous in this. But it's just. He's charismatic. You don't think he's going to be Philip Seymour Hoffman. the Philip Seymour Hoffman. Experience is that he could do anything, and he did do everything. He played every part you could possibly imagine. Um, so it's just it's it's kind of fascinating that they're in this movie together. Mario, they're just it was moved about chasing, chasing tornadoes, and and Bill's going to to their installation or wherever they are. They're just field that they parked all their. Shit. Trucks in, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And he wants to get his divorce paper signed so he can get divorced from Joe, so we can move on and just marry Jamie Gertz. 
she forgets to sign a page, so he has oh, to chase her down. You forgot one of the team members. Todd Field. Oh, yeah, Todd Field. It's pretty good. Todd Field when he was doing his acting thing. Um, so he gets sucked back into the, back into the competition. They've, sucked back in, I like it. They've, they've, yeah, that's good. They've, uh, Joe's completed this, this machine called Dorothy. That's full of these sensors that they're going to put up inside a tornado and they're going to get all this data. Now, this is one of the great data movies where the climax comes from, like, getting the data. Like, oh, they got all the data. And then the, there's another tornado, but that's fine. But the data, I think, is the important thing. Actually, they to be got fair, the data. For, like, for being such, like, a, a an intense action movie, like, the fact that the stakes are kind of, like, getting data for a couple more minutes of preparation, it's kind of... It's really clever. Mm-hmm. That's a real Michael Crichton sort of screenplay. This is the oh, we forgot to mention that this is a, that's super Michael Crichton. I'm actually surprised there also, isn't like a 20 oh minute God. lecture this about like how this thing works. This movie's so fucking depressing now in, in retrospect. Yeah, Bill Paxton, Michael Crichton, Philip Seymour Hoffman, all died years before they should have died. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fuck you, Twister man. Jen DeBont should have taken out all the people from Haunting before they. <laughs> Um, but there's a twist. Carrie Elwes, as Dr. Jonas Miller used to work with him also, and he stole their design. And he also made one of these little machines um, that they're gonna try to they're gonna try to work. I mean, I can go through like the entire plot of this movie. I suppose uh, there's not really any point. They chase tornadoes. It doesn't work most of the time. The best part is as they're chasing tornadoes, they ramp up in intensity. They ramp up in intensity. They're like F two, F three, F four. Um, the F5 is like a nuclear strike happening like right on top of them. I mean, it's it's realistic. It's like a mile and a half wide, which is an F5 tornado right. is um, <coughs> is literally like that. You get pretty good. One of the things that I was when I was watching this movie um, that I noticed that they would never do now is like a lot of the they build stuff to destroy it. So this is one of those classic. Uh, Hollywood movies that you know you could see being turned into like a ride at Universal Studios where they've just built like I'm thinking of when they're at the movies when they're at that hotel is, in front of the movie thing and they they go into that that big uh that garage and then there's just like stuff falling down and, and sparks coming s- sliced right they they built a set and then they and then they just had stuff fall on top of each other and they filmed that's I how they used to say, make though, movies coming back to this movie I haven't watched this movie I used to watch this movie continuously all the time. Yep. Coming back to this movie, I was afraid of watching that scene again because I remember that scene just being so intensely like a hallmark moment of going like, that's a really fucking well shot action sequence mm-hmm. and like everything building and working well. It's still, yeah, it still works well. Because like, that entire like seeing the, I mean, it, the CGI is terrible now. The CGI looks bad now. But like seeing the tornado coming has the shinings playing and like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like seeing the, screen break away with shining still playing like on the tornado that still looks good i think this is a really it still it still feels good it this, doesn't look good the other way that i think this is a good michael Crichton like uh production is that it is simple it's really simple it's just it, it's just people chasing tornadoes and the tornadoes eating stuff like that's all it is and the, all of his best books are really simple it's just like oh there's just this it's you know sphere is just there's a sphere at the bottom of the ocean, and the Congo is like oh there's that movie these, stinks, these monkeys. Sphere the, the, the book is good. Yeah. The book's good. Um, all of his best 
his best work is just like, oh, yeah, there's this thing, and then it's just bad, and we have to figure out our way around it. I mean, that's that's kind of what it is. Oh, and Andromeda Strain, there's a disease. Okay. Your blood's going to crystallize. That's it. What, the thing I come back to this is just like, just... And the thing that actually makes this difficult is is the heart in this. Yeah. Like, it's so... Well, that's what this is. It's what it's about, yeah. It just has so much heart. Like, Helen Hunt, like, she was on, like, a tear in 96, mm-hmm. 97. 90. Like, I love Mad About You during this time. I don't know why. I did. I was like indifferent to Mad About You, but I loved as good as it gets. But a ten-year-old shouldn't like Mad About You. No, but your parents—you just watch what your parents watch. No, I loved parents. Sh- ha- my parents hated Mad About You. But why were you watching Mad About You? Because I liked it. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me, man. I don't think I might. I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, might I know not who, be a human being. I have like a weird relationship with Mandy Patinkin because my parents really liked Chicago Hope, and he was on Chicago Hope, and I watched Chicago Hope, and so I was just like, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> to be fair, Mandy I, Patinkin. My mom forever. loves Mandy Patinkin because she loved Evita. So there you go. That? Uh, but no, I just like Mad About You because I thought Paul Reiser was funny. He's okay. And I just thought like the connection was funny in that. Um, but she was on a tear with this, and like as good as it gets, and whatnot. Um, and then Bill Paxton like has limited—I don't want to say limited, but has like much as he like went off his charisma during this time, like plays off that really well. Mm-hmm. And everyone just is is doing what they need to do. Um, Carrie always like playing Jonas Miller has much of like as uh, antagonist as he's supposed to be, even when he dies in this movie. Like him and and uh, Zach Brainier. Yeah. Like, that's sad. Happened to, happened to like you feel bad. Like you're not like you're like oh they got what's coming to him. You're like oh that's well. Carrie Elvis just explodes. Yeah. Like Zach Renier gets stabbed through the chest. No, <laughs> Zach Renier gets decapitated because it fulfills. It goes through the window though. It goes oh, through the goes window. Head. Do you think? Do you okay. know why? Jeanne de Bont had a trio of films of a trio of decapitations. Okay. So he starts off directing Speed. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm taller. Dennis Hopper, decapitated. <laughs> Twister. Zach Rainier gets impaled through the head. Very clearly a thing larger than his head. Goes through the windshield, hits his head, decapitated. Owen Wilson, the haunting. Oh, yeah. The most obvious thing. Zach DeBont, or Jean DeBont, hated heads. Yeah. He was like, I did, there was no decapitations when I did cinematography on Die hard, so I'm gonna fucking do it now. Well, that's what he was probably saying the whole time. Like, you sure you don't want to chop I mean, off somebody's head? And John Materian's like, no. I mean, I'm fine. I, I can just, I can just, we can just cut off Hans Zimmer's head. Hans Zimmer. Oh God. <laughs> Hans Gruber's head. We can just have Hans Gruber have his head come off. <laughs> I, and Hans Zimmer. I have Hans Zimmer here. You fucking cut his head off. If you want? I cut anybody's head off. You just <laughs> let me know. I, I, like John Materian's like, no. Listen, I'm gonna evade some taxes, and you do not do that. Reginald Bell Johnson's right there. Yeah. I could just cut his head what off I'm gonna right do, now. What I'm going to do is pay one-third of the taxes I need to, and you're just going to do what I tell you to. And Jan DeBond's like, one day I'm going to cut off all the heads. And he did. <laughs> this is the middle of his decapitation trilogy. Yeah. I call it I, – ever since I've been a kid, I've called – honestly, I've you called it – You have to write an essay about – The decapitation trilogy. Why? Of, Speak because no, no, but not like why is it called the decapitation trilogy? But why does he want to cut off everybody's head? I don't know. I I have asked, well, I asked so Jeremy Solanay why he cares about cheeks, and he just he said he didn't realize it. I bet you Jan DeBont doesn't realize it either. Here's the thing though 
characters of moderate importance are getting their heads removed. So, like, Dennis well, Hopper's the villain Dennis in Hopper's Speed. Villain, yeah. Like, that makes sense. But Zach Grenier's just, like, the driver. <laughs> Jack Grenier's not doing much much wrong. No, he's not doing anything and wrong. And Owen Wilson's kind of a good guy. Like, it's it's a, it goes from, like, main villain to tertiary villain to... Like, Owen Wilson. To, like, protagonist. Like, yeah. Like quasi... He's one of the, he's one of the protagonists. The, the, yeah. I don't know what's going on, Jan DeBont. But no, seriously, this this movie is is something I keep coming back to, and it just it feels good. Well, I think that's why when I mentioned to people that we were going to talk about it, everyone was like, "Are you going to do Twister?" And they were like, "I love Twister," and I think everyone loves it because, like you said, it is all heart. You know what I mean? It's about family. It's that's what it's about, and all these people are really good at conveying that. Yeah. If we could have had nine Twister movies, I would have not wanted that, but I would have rather had that than Fast and Furious. Movies. Well, it would have been like how it would be funny if they escalated it in the same way Fast and the Furious escalated it. Just tornadoes. Now, they like drive up the tornado. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what Sharknado was. Maybe Sharknado is the spiritual sequel to the Twister movies. It's possible. Um, but no, like the thing that I think really works in this is the set pieces are still really good. Like even watching all these movies together. Yeah. Like the set pieces in this, esc- like it, so the escalation of this movie is silly, in the fact that like it goes from like F two to F three to F four to F five, and it's like oh come on that never happened, but like the set pieces in terms of like <coughs> you know kind of going from like the hopping F two mm-hmm. into you know and have to get underneath the thing and it feels like pretty light and feels pretty controlled, um, to, you know driving up the hill like that's what the it's a pretty shot, and it feels like not—I don't want to say natural, but it just—it's a good-looking shot of them yep. going up the hill to chase that tornado um, to the the water movie. Well, the water thing's fine. I like the water one. The water one's fine, but like the—you're talking about the cow one. Well, when they're like on that little weird little landmass thing between those two bodies of water and the tornadoes are just kind of like jumping yeah, we're, stuff. yeah. The, the two F2s right yeah. where Jamie Gertz is like there's a cow yep. there's not a cow I think that's the same cow that, that one's no no that one even back then looked too fake for me I guess oh it looks super fake but I I like um, their reaction to it and yeah, I think yeah. it's it's an interesting it looks super fake but it also looks kind of cool yeah that's true um, but you know going to the movie theater to um Saving and like even the non tornado one up saving Aunt Meg, yep, in like that kind of house of horrors situation leading up to like that final like 20 minute climax mm-hmm. and then them running through uh the the field of corn. It's just like it's, it's a perfect escalation. Mm-hmm. Like this movie just is able to slowly drive up, yeah, action and like it just it's it's tonally, um, one of. You know, a more solid, like one of the more solid films. It's it's not surprising that Michael Caine, um, like did editing on this, just because it 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 you know, <coughs> somebody had, you know, experience like Color Purple and Fatal Attraction, Empire of the Sky, and Jurassic Park. You know, having that man be your editor for this mm-hmm. movie is not surprising because it 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 is totally driven by how well everything ramps up. Mm-hmm. It feels like a ramp up. And then when, in the same way, in doing that, like you're ramping up the tension and ramping up the action, it plays into the fact that Joe and Bill are going to get back together. Well, yeah, because they're constantly, you, they're also ramping up the emotional stakes of the whole yeah. thing, too. I mean, there's, um, you kind of care a little bit less 
by the end of the movie whether or not Bill and Melissa stay together. No, you do, but and that's one my one big problem with this is like Jamie Gertz is such like a sympathetic character in this that you really want it. Like uh, I know it's a, a cliche to say, or not cliche, but it, you know it'd be something cliche. I wouldn't, wouldn't have been cliche to this, but you want her to have a nice ending, and you feel like she doesn't. She just gets well, kind of like thrown out to the side. And, no, but and she like, does it on her own. She's like, I'm not even really all that sad. What does that mean? Like when she breaks up with him, when she's yeah. like, I'm not going to do this, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, but she's not... such like a, a great, nice, like, she's lovely. Well, she's such a lovely person And so I think that's this. one of the things that I kind of dislike about it, too, is that they kind of try to make her seem, like, ridiculous, like, in her profession, like, compared to their profession. I don't think they make her ridiculous. They just make her seem like she's... They they don't try to, like, do her dirty. They don't try to say, like... They don't try to oh, do her she's, dirty. She's, you know... But like, Joe is clearly better than her. Because she's... Joe's, like, no, a, Joe's, a, a, Joe's a better Relationship fit. therapist. Joe's than, a better fit for Bill. Like, yeah, she's just out of her element. For sure. But I kind of feel like... There needed to be something there where, like, you know, like maybe there's this, like, even though this wouldn't have been this cliche thing ever, had there been this some goofy guy in the side who was like, hi. And she Jamie slept Gertz, with, if she slept with Dusty. And, or Jamie Gertz was like, oh, like, I am a guy who's writing about the experiences of storm chasers, you know? Yeah. And, like, like he just has, like, a couple throwaway lines and then they talk to each other. Just so you know, like, she has... A rebound. I think she'll be fine. No, no, she's Jamie Kurtz. She'll be fine. But you just, you just, you feel bad for her. It's kind of like fucking, like, you know. Well, and it's it's weird. The whole experience is weird. It's, for it's her, like yeah. a '90s thing. Like a '90s thing said, like the 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 the, uh, the new woman or the new man in those movies uh, was always kind of bad. And I I actually think a good a good uh, compliment to that. Um, in the same way would be in Liar Liar using Carrie Elways, where his mm. character is like a really nice guy. And at the end of that movie, you're kind of like, but well, what about him? You know? Like, I think that's my one criticism. But that is like, movie is, but he stays in the picture. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Like, that, the fact that he, like, he mostly cares about those kids, and, you know, he's still going to be, like, in the kids' lives. Um, More Tierney. Knocking it out of the park. Yeah. But, but beyond that, like, this movie just. Twister's great. That's all the levels. I'm it, glad. I'm glad that Lois Smith is still around. Mm. Lois Smith's great in this too. Everyone's great. In, like this cast is all just all works. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I mean it's a real bummer to watch now, from if, from real that real life from that perspective. Yeah, but standpoint of Bill Paxton. It's Philip also Hoffman, they don't really make movies Michael like this Crichton. anymore. They don't make one-off, like. You know, star vehicles like for you know action movie star vehicles. They just don't. It's always going to be like a sequel. Or well, it's always going to be related well, the thing, to something. The thing that I happened. loved. I remember when this came out, and then like it was a pretty huge success. Yeah, it was a big. Um, like this cost ninety two million to make. It made half a billion dollars, and they were like, "We should make a sequel to this." And everyone involved with it was like, "Go fuck yourself." No, we're fine. Yeah, what are you going to make a sequel to T- Twister about? Two twisters. Like, there was just six twisters in this movie. So two F5s combined to create an F20. And it eats all of Nebraska. Yeah. It just sucks Oklahoma up into the sky. Listen, in 2020, in this election year, that's okay. I'd be okay with that. I haven't gone to Nebraska yet, though, so I have to go there first. You haven't driven through Nebraska? No. I went uh, around it. The day trip. We've talked about this. We yeah. do a whole podcast you, you made, about 
you made the right choice in driving around it and not going through Nebraska. I drove through Nebraska. No offense to our listeners in Nebraska. Do we have any listeners in Nebraska? I know. We have listeners in Old Hickory, Tennessee. Um, but it is a boring state. It's a day trip. But you know what's not boring? 1996. Nope. Coming back and watching 1996 action films, I really have to surmise that Looking, comparing it to 1993, 1996 just way levels it. Well, here's the problem, though, Mario. We're going to have... I really don't feel like we can go backwards. Like, I don't feel like we can do, like, a 1992 action movies. Because I'm not going to feel the same way about them. You know what I mean? I'm going to be coming at them from, like, this vantage point of, like, way after the fact. You know what I mean? Watching stuff on video when you're kind of a teenager and you're just kind of catching up with some stuff. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, 93 action... Like, the 93 action movies felt 93. Mm-hmm. The 96 action movies feel as though they have a bit of a... Not a timeless quality to them, but they don't feel so of their year. Like, Twister could have been made in 2001 and I would not be surprised. Well, that, so that's the thing. So Demolition we... Man's made in 1996 and I'm like, it was? Why? Yeah. Yeah, I think or it's Or 1998, true. and I'm like, seriously? Mm-hmm. Or even like 95, I'm like, mm, that's questionable. Yeah. You know, like Twister, like Twister or Independence Day, I could see being made up through the second Spider-Man movie. Mm, yeah, well, so the, and that's the thing. So as we get further along on this little bonus episode thing that we're doing here, um, these deep dives, you can't have an action movie conversation in like, you know, the early 2000s and not talk about a superhero movie. Like you just, it just becomes, that just becomes action movies. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Or a which Gerard is, Butler movie. Which is, um, <laughs> yeah. it's either Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah, we have to do the Olympus Has Fallen White House Down here. Um, one, I've, I still have never seen White House Down. Which is a I've Roland, never seen any of those movies. Which is a Roland Emmerich movie, yeah. I believe, right? Um, yeah, no, I'm good. Oh, Olympus Has Fallen is, is fine. But... No, I think 96 is a weird sort of special year. And the fact that like it feels like there's so many – it's like a nice synergy. Mm-hmm. You get like that culmination of the early 90s movies just pounding into what would come. You know, like Executive Decision um, and well, executive decision Broken becomes- Arrow feel like entities of the early 90s. And then all these other movies excluding – the Tom Berenger opus. Um, Listen, Tom Berenger made a lot of movies after that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they all look <laughs> roughly the same. And then an exception. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not his movie. And Training Day. Just after he ate hundreds of pounds of gummy bears. <laughs> he got... I can make that joke. <laughs> I can make that joke because he got spelt again. He's skinny again. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. He stopped I'm okay, eating gummy I'm okay bears. making fat Tom Berenger jokes because he's skinny I just skinny like the again. way that you got him fat. It was the... <laughs> He was eating gummy bears, and you were just <laughs> scooping them into your face. <laughs> I mean, there's bad ways of getting fat. That's not a bad way. Um, but it's it's a nice like a year to look at of like this this culmination between like action that was versus action that would be. Well, it's and, true like, because get, I think things get, get weird after marks. that. You get little hallmarks like from like Terminator and Jurassic Park of like. The movies that would come, but this is like the year where everything kind of fucking smushed together. Because '97, you start getting like those weird. You get Volcano and Dante's Peak, which feel weirdly like this weird kind of emulgenous, weird science. Well, because they're not alien, 
Cronenbergian mix, and then you get like you know Men in Black, which feels way beyond. Well, Men in Black is stupid. But... It's stupid, but it doesn't feel like early '90s at all anymore. Yeah, it's step you know, forward. But like even the bad movies of '97 don't feel like early '90s movies anymore. They feel like no, they feel like they're they're beyond those yeah. things. Yeah, we've taken kind of like the next step in. And even the ones that are, like, you know, so we talked about Face Off. Face Off is the next year. Face Off and Broken Arrow are, like, on totally different planets. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and he's John wooing the shit out of Face Off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to the point where... There's doves. There's regular guns in Broken Arrow. There's no regular guns in Face Off. You mean every gun is a weird color and has some kind of weird design on it and comes slow motion out of someone's pocket with some kind of separation Sometimes not even as a pocket. A... Sometimes that gun comes out of who knows where. And everyone spins around when they before they shoot a gun and it's just John Woo to death. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> that was a good movie. But maybe that will be a, a discussion for uh next year when we uh are deep within 2021 and looking at our, the world around us. Or and, going we just, like, and we're like, oh man, we're so sick of all this socialized healthcare and free salami. <laughs> Why is the salami free? You get a little salami. Oh, you're not you're <laughs> not up with the memes, are you? As part of your healthcare? Have you heard, you've not yeah. heard this a little less salami meme? No. So it's like when somebody has something good, you're like, oh, you get a little less salami. I don't, I actually don't know the meme. I'm just trying to keep up with the kids. I'll be dead soon. I'll be fine. <laughs> But when we're sick of all socialized healthcare and free college, we'll go we'll go back to our time machine. But for now, I think we I don't know why I'm miming this. As though we have a YouTube channel. Picking it up and putting it back in the pivotal film stacks. Michael Bean will put it away, please. He's not not oh, he's, quaaludes. He's, he's he's passed out. <laughs> Too many quaaludes. Oh, that's, that's tough. It's it's tough little does he know those were all Pez. Because <laughs> right. we're in Connecticut, man. That's true. Pez over the right orange, there. yeah. That's all Quillo's ever were. If you want to talk about Pez, you can tweet us at Film Pivotal. Uh, or you can go to uh, email us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and look at uh, the movies that are on our list and the beers that we've drank and how to subscribe, or you can call us at whatever the number is, 475-777-2450. Tell us what your favorite 90s action movie was or what your pivotal film experience is with a 1996 action movie. Tell us why you love Twister or why you hate <coughs> um, you know, Executive Decision or why or you explain, think... Or explain to us why Substitute is a very contemporary film. Explain to us why we should do a substitute episode instead of a Tremors episode. Where we just talk about all the substitutes. The sequels, yeah. All the, the Treat Williams sequels, yeah. Um, Those movies might be very contemporary. I, I doubt it. Oh, man, I keep forgetting we're doing a Tremors episode. Oh, we're doing it in the summer. We're not... We're having a huge panel. I'm not going to do the... I'm not going to talk about the shit. We're not going to talk about the show, though, right? That's a little bit of a commitment. No, no, no. We're just going to do the, the movies. Okay, good. We're going to get a big panel of guests. Because I... I bet you a lot of people want to talk about Tremors. Fred Ward, I'm sure. You think so? I mean, we could find Fred Ward. I bet Michael Gross would come. What else is he doing? Jamie Foxx might come. He's not even in the new one. But I bet he'd be here. Yeah. Give him some pizza. We have pizza, guys. Come on. But until then, go see a movie. We have a Max Go see an action movie. Drink a beer. What? 
Brie McIntyre will probably come on it. You think so? Could. No, probably not. No, she probably won't. She's very famous. Oh. So and uh, who was who was who was the love interest in that one? Which one? The Reba McIntyre? The first one. Um, I don't know. It's been a long time. I keep time thinking it's a woman from Doc Hollywood, but it's not. Oh, no. What's her name? Um, I put my... I put my yeah. All right, we're going to stop. Great way to end this podcast. Go see you a movie. Drink a beer. Go see Tremors and figure out who that is, and then drink a beer, and then... Uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you whatever.